Greetings, fellow investigators. Welcome to our video podcast, Into the Darkness, where my friends and I play the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. I'm your host, Tom Rayleigh. Uh, we are running another short scenario from Reckoning of the Dead. Back in January, Noah Lloyd ran this game for us. Now we're running it. The scenario is Organism 46B. I will be the GM, and this is version two. So without any further delay, let's begin our journey into the darkness. For a number of days, you have been on a, uh, a ship bringing you to Antarctica from Melbourne, Australia. Uh, you arrive at Casey Station, which is right on the coast. Um, and uh, it's technically, it's uh, owned by Australia. Uh, from there, uh, you are currently on a helicopter. You are flying 400 miles inland to uh, a, a, a new designation, Camp Lake Carter, uh, named after the lake that they want you to investigate. Uh, this is international territory, so it's not owned by anyone. Uh, the United States is hoping very much to claim the discovery of the lake. And uh, you are currently on the helicopter uh, flying. Uh, it's cold. Uh, this is Antarctica. It's uh, sub-zero temperatures, but it is summer, so it, the sun never goes down at this point. Well, it just goes around and around and around in the sky. Um, you guys want to talk about anything on your way? We'll play some of the uh, the traveling. It's noisy. So does anybody have any idea about what, any, any information about this lake that they found? Not a lot of information. Um, some information that I have is there are others up there as well exploring. Okay. Okay. So we're not the, uh, the initial uh, group that's going in. Well, let's just say the others are not on our side. Oh. Mm. That's part of the that. reason I'm here. It's gonna and, get that ugly. Have we have have we got course samples yet? Have we I mean confirmed that there's an actual lake down there or the only thing that you know is uh uh the belief that there is a lake there is based on satellite photography. Um the camp uh, a, a crew has come out first to set up the camp, and that's all that's been done. So you will be the the first scientist to arrive. You are okay. the scientific. You are in charge of the scientific aspects of this place. So, other than radio, other than photographs, there's not been any sort of. Uh, geophysics or anything else that's been done on the site that we know of. No, which means we'll be the first ones to be able to take a look at those core samples. Um, that uh, That is just thrilling. That is going to be 
because they, you know, these lakes may or may not be interconnected underneath the ice sheets. And uh, they have found some just fascinating uh, microbes and um, nascent life, uh, things that eat and get all their sustenance from just minerals, for example. So it, this is going to be truly exciting. Well, I did get some satellite scans of the lake. It seems to be about 25 miles long and approximately about 15,000 feet below the surface. So we do have our work cut out for us. All right, you travel along, and uh, as you round uh, the side of a, a mountain, um, you you dip down into a valley. Everything is white, of course, and uh, up ahead of you, you can see the camp laid out. Um, uh, you do one quick uh, circle around the camp uh, so that you can see uh, the layout. This is more or less what it looks like. Uh, as the helicopter goes to land on the helipad, uh, you can see that there is a mess hall and kitchen, uh, which the other end of it is the sleeping quarters. Uh, there are laboratories. There is a small machine shop, a latrine, and you can see the, the rig uh, is, uh, has been constructed. Uh, these are very large uh, tent-like structures. Uh, they've got frameworks inside them that keep them, them rigid, uh, but when the wind blows, and the wind always blows in Antarctica, uh, you can hear the, the, the tent flapping. Uh, as your helicopter lands, and you are greeted by a number of people to help you with your, uh, your things. Um, a woman comes up, uh, Rachel Davidson. She's the site manager. Uh, gentlemen, gentlemen, please. Uh, uh, if you'll follow me, I'll show you where your quarters will be. And then we can do an orientation uh, in the mess hall. That'd be great. Looking forward to it. I'll lead on. <clears throat> I follow along. So you all follow her. Uh, you you go in, into the mess hall first, and then uh, down a central corridor to the sleeping quarters. Um, uh, there is enough room for each of you. Uh, and one thing that you notice is uh, all of the... Uh, there are, I wouldn't call them tent flaps, they're like plastic windows. Um, they're all closed um, so that there is no light penetrating back into this part of the tent. Um, the sun never goes down, so sleeping, uh, people sleep in, in three shifts. The, uh, the regular crew uh, sleeps in three shifts. She sets you up in your little uh, rooms. They're small, but they're what you'd expect in this case. Uh, the place is heated, so you're, you're fine as far as that goes. Um, the floor underneath you uh, is of wooden construction, and directly under the floor is solid ice, down for about uh, uh, four or five kilometers. Okay. Okay. Uh, but, they're, but they're like tent uh, canvas or... Uh, cloth material dividing the rooms, right? Yeah, it's kind of a plastic cloth material that divides everything up. 
It's like being in a building, except that the walls are made out of cloth. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> and the and the overall shell is like multi-layered or yeah it's it's a really tough material it's a military material of some sort um yeah. it's looks metallic on the outside but it's uh it's just a really heavy duty uh thing it can it can stand hurricane hurricane force winds all right so i'm gonna go in my claim my bunk area and you said those are closed off individual right right with flaps all right, and I'm going to um, open my sat laptop computer and send a message. All right. Yeah, what's the Wi-Fi password? That's the important thing. Um, there is Wi-Fi. <laughs> well, I, uh, I don't need an actual Android. Just... Well, there, there is Wi-Fi. There is Internet. Um, there is no – if you have cell phones, there's no uh, – no satellite nearby that will pick up your cell phone, uh, but you can do communications through radio, and you can do, you could, you could. There's there's special phones that are linked up some way, um, but you're just you're in a little individual little handheld ones won't won't do it for you. All right. Okay. So after um, forty minutes or so. Uh, let's say that it's, let's make it easy. We'll say that it's uh, 10 a.m. that you've arrived. Um, you go into the mess hall uh, and uh, introductions are made. Uh, Rachel Davidson. Uh, uh, my name is Rachel Davidson. I'm uh, the camp manager. Uh, uh, my experience is mostly with uh, oil rigs and uh, and various drill sites. Uh, I'm also the manager of the drill site. Uh, we have um, uh, Lauren, she points to Lauren. Uh, he is our engineer maintenance person. Uh, he can repair just about every, anything. Uh, we have uh, Harry, he's in communications. Uh, and we have uh, Tank, he's the cook. Uh, Tank also has medical experience, so he can fix you up if you're hurt. Um, we have uh, nine roughnecks. The roughnecks work on the, the drill, drill site. And we have uh, three derrick hands. Uh, they pretty much set up on top of the derrick, and as they feed the pipes up to them, they put them, screw them together, and they send them down as the drill progresses. Um, she gives you details on the drill. Uh, the drill can dig about 105 feet per hour, uh, 2,520 feet per day. It's estimated that it is going to take about six days to reach the lake. Uh, the drill itself uh, uses uh, bore and superheated water. Uh, it doesn't use any kind of oil lubricant. Um, they've learned in the past that if you're going to penetrate into a pristine lake, it's best not to use oil to uh, <laughs> dig down to it. Um, she says that uh, uh, 
uh, previous attempts to reach deep lakes, uh, the Volstok incident was a disaster that uh, the Russians uh, got there first, but they used oil as lubricant and damaged the uh, ecosystem. Uh, you have a lab. Uh, let me bring the map up again. Uh, you have a lab. You have uh, set up laboratories. Uh, there's uh, places there for uh, any kind of chemistry, uh, uh, geolo geological engineering that you need. Uh, there's medical, and there is uh, biological uh, stuff available to you, uh, as well as physics and so forth. Um, whatever you need is there. Uh, the latrine is outside. You have to cross outside to get to the latrine because nobody wants to stink up the tents. And we have one a snow cat, though we don't really have much reason to use it. We don't have anywhere to go, but it's right. there. All right, and how far are we down so far? I mean, you said six we days to get to the lake. Oh, yep. we haven't started. Haven't okay. started yet. All right. We needed to wait for you to start before we, if somebody wants to inspect the site and make sure everything is okay. But as soon as it's greenlit, we can begin digging. And we'll be taking cores all the way or are we? Well, uh, our, our intention is to dig down to the lake. Uh, that's where all of our resources are going. Uh, however, we do have coring equipment. Uh, if you want to do that separately, you know, anywhere around the, the, the area. Um, okay. Most of most of this sort of area has already been sampled many times, you know, by uh, previous uh, groups. Okay. All right, gentlemen, shall we inspect the the drill and get this thing started? You bet. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> All right, so you walk out. Uh, the, uh, the drill itself is about, um, oh, I'd say 35 feet high. Uh, it's covered in a kind of a, uh, a similar canvas tarp uh, to the ones that, uh, to the ones that the, the, the tents are made out of. Uh, uh, when you step through it, uh, there's kind of a wooden structure at the bottom that serves as a, an office or a, a place where the manager can make sure everything is going right. Once you step inside, the temperature is quite a bit higher. Uh, outside, uh, in the daytime, it's negative 20. Uh, at night, it can drop down to negative 60. Uh, even even at this time of year, it's a little bit. It's it's more mild. There's not any storms or anything. The uh, but the temperature is significantly higher when you step through because there are large boilers uh, that are uh, creating superheated water. Uh, so much so that the roughnecks that are on the rig at the moment, uh, there are always three roughnecks and one derrickhand. Uh, they tend to go shirtless. Okay. So I look at the rig. Um, do I, would I see anything that looks flawed or that could cause a problem? Go ahead and do a spot hidden. Uh, 
That would not make it. Okay. So you don't see anything. You okay. don't see anything unusual at all. For, from your, your perspective, everything looks like it's in tip-top safety first. Uh, everyone is uh, knows what they're doing. Uh, most of it is controlled electronically from the manager's shack, uh, except for the fact that you've got to constantly take the bores, attach the new one, dig down, attach the next board, and go on like that. Uh, as I say, they can cover about 105 feet an hour. Um, so after that, what would you like to do? Uh, go to, I'd like to go to who's in charge of running the drill and tell them to get started, whoever that okay. might be. Well, that's, uh, Rachel's in charge of that, that operation. So she can right. your approval, then we'll get it going. All right, you boys, get, get, get to work. I'll Ra say, Ra uh, Rachel, is that the quickest speed that we can go is what you're telling me. Is there any way to ramp this thing up to get faster? That's the safest speed we can do. It's it's using the, the bore and it's using superheated water. Uh, anything uh, faster would put a great deal of stress, especially the farther we go. Um, so uh, that's the best estimate. Well, I will trust your judgment since you are the expert in this particular situation. Now, when the drill begins, um, everyone do a... Do a dodge roll. Oh, okay. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> oh, nice. Hey, I passed that. seven out of. Oh yes. I fail. I passed with a ten. Ooh, forty-seven out forty-five. I, my dodge is forty-five. That is, I. Fail. Okay. If if you succeeded, you kind of anticipated what was about to happen, um, and you put your hands like this. Those of you who failed, when the drill starts, for the first couple of seconds, it throws little chips of ice all over the place. So you're bombarded. You don't take any damage, but uh, this annoying. Startled. That figures since I knew. You know, I didn't know to. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the drill is going to drill down a certain depth and then they'll start the pumps with the superheated water. Um, they do their best to melt uh, the, the stone. It should be ice. That's not, I didn't mean stone. It's, it's ice all the way down. Um, and it's very loud. It's noisy in the tent. Right. So I would like to move back and check out the laboratories, see what kind of facilities and equipment they have. Okay. Uh, the labs are uh, well put together. There's a number of uh, microscopes. There's an electron microscope. There's uh, um, anything that you could think of, chemistry, te uh, chemical tests, and uh, uh, everything that, that you would need to identify things. Um, Mass spectrometer. Sure. Yeah. There's Gotta just not that. a collider. There's nothing that big. But. <laughs> oh, well, too bad. <laughs> I'm just going to claim a space and set my light, set my equipment up and everything. Get my coffee okay. cup handy. I'm going to go find uh, Rachel okay, she's again. Great. And uh, 
say, Rachel, I'm, I'm looking for someone that I know that I hear might be here. You know, a doctor, Remo. Uh, Dr. Kathy Remo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she is probably in her quarters asleep at the moment. Fine, fine. I won't want to wake her. I, I'll look for her tomorrow. If you see her, just let her know that I'm here. All right. Sure. You'll, you'll probably see her in a few hours when she gets up. Very good. Very good. We've also got a Dr. Marcus uh, Baker. Uh, he's a glaciologist. Uh, he's probably sleeping at the moment, too. Yeah, I don't not don't know him. Kathy and I have uh, passed each other here and there. Oh. I just wanted to say hi, see how she was doing. Well, that's 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 cool. You all seem to know each other. Somewhat, somewhat. Have you noticed anything strange around here? Nothing at all, except it's the pretty, snow. Pretty routine. Yeah, the the snow's about well, the snow's all compacted. It it almost never snows in Antarctica, believe it or not. It's one of the driest places on Earth. But also very white. My well, it's very flat, and it's so there's nothing to slow down the wind. The wind blows all the time. I was just uh, more interested if you've seen anything flying over in the air. Usually, usually there shouldn't be, but, you know, you never know. No, not that I can think of. Okay, very well. Well, thanks for your time. I'm going to return to my quarters and get some things in order. Sure. All right, you guys. Stop dilly-dallying. <laughs> <laughs> they're not dilly-dallying. They're working hard. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know anything about drilling. But. All right. So, um, uh, Lee, uh, what are you doing? And, Bill, what are you doing? Well, first I was going to clean the mess off me from getting sprayed. And splash and setting up my laboratory, you know, my little lab space. Sure. Uh, getting some coffee. Gotta have There's coffee. plenty of coffee anytime you need it. Um, uh, the cook, Tank, um, he comes in uh, wiping his hands with the towel and he's like, gentlemen, if there's anything that you need, uh, uh, any kind of preferences, uh, French cooking, Italian cooking, uh, all I got is what's in the pantry. So that's what you're going to get. But Good to know. Thanks, Tank. Appreciate it. Any, any allergies? Any things you don't like? Uh, I eat everything. Good man. <clears throat> I'd kind of like to go out and hang out in the drill for a bit, talk to okay. some of the roughnecks. Find out okay. what their opinion of this whole operation is. All right. Um, do a uh, do a luck check. Uh, yes, that is a that is a pass. Okay. So while you're out there, you, uh, you don't really have the opportunity uh, to interact much with the roughnecks because they're working um, and they're, they're hot, and they're <clears throat> sweaty, and they're working. Uh, the Derek hand, however, only seems to function uh, when they're about to transition from one, uh, one bore to the next. 
So uh, he's standing there sort of watching with you. Uh, he introduces himself as John Mercy. John Mercy, I've been working on these sort of derricks for 20 years. It's nice to meet you, sir. I've got a good bit of experience in the uh, oil rigs as well. Spent some time up in Alaska. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, about the, probably about the past five years or so up there. I hear some strange things, though, about that Alaskan tundra. It's, uh, who knows what's out there? You can walk for miles in any direction and never get anywhere. Yeah, it's, it, it gets kind of funky out there sometimes, uh, especially if you have any of those jobs that work on the pipelines that go across some of the wastes out there. It's, 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 it can get crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I hear that some of the uh, American Indian tribes are not too happy with that either. No, no, they're not. They're not. You know, sometimes when you're out there working, uh, the weather will turn bad on you have to leave. And you'll come back and find things have been kind of messed up a little bit. Uh, sometimes they get pretty creative and you just kind of have to laugh at what they've done to you, but it's okay. Well, you know, they say that, uh, that, uh, that it never snows or anything here, but uh, I've never been any place where it doesn't snow with all this snow on the ground. <laughs> it does seem kind of odd, doesn't it? Yeah. See, it's ice for miles straight down. That's, that's kind of amazing. Yes, yeah. it is. Oh, I'm not there. <laughs> so you're one of the one of the scientists, huh? Yeah, I'm a geologist on this this job. So, so what's the point in finding a lake buried in the? It's not like we need water or anything. Yeah, it's it's it has to do with Antarctica as being this place where you know, nobody's been here there hasn't been any people building things or, or anything. So it's completely undisturbed. So you have absolutely no idea what's been going on down there. And you can certainly learn a whole lot about the life uh, that used to be living on the earth hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years ago. So it's, it's well, like you're going to find dinosaurs or something down there. Yeah. You never know. We might have a, have a Jurassic park kind of thing going on out of this. You just don't know. Wow. I'll keep that in mind. You know, I heard that, uh, that uh, those uh, Russians, um, that they found something in uh, Lake Vostok. Oh, yeah? Yeah. One of my friends was telling me that uh, he heard from a buddy of his that um, they found some, something down there that they are trying to weaponize. Did you ever oh. hear anything like that? It's hard to say with the Russians. There's so many daggone rumors about them. I think they've been drinking too much potato water. Maybe. I don't mind the potato water myself. <laughs> it's not too and bad seems, on a cold night. He seems like a rather um, jovial, uh, affable sort of character. Um, he does tend to tend towards the conspiracy theories just for, yeah. I guess, that make, that's, they're interesting to him. Okay. Cool beans. All right. Uh, uh, Lieutenant Commander, uh, what yes. are you up to at the moment? Um, at back at my sat laptop looking to see if I had any responses to my uh, request for information. Um. You get a, the only response you get is uh, 
uh, there's no activity. Okay. That anyone's aware of. All right. Um, the uh, you've all. Oh, I also should mention that in, in addition to mess hall and and kitchen, there is a like a rec room. Uh, there's books. There's um, a couple of computers set up for computer gaming. Uh, things like that, so that you don't get too bored. Uh, very likely you're going to be here. I mean. It's going to be six days before you actually penetrate into the lake. All right. Well, I'll go and find the others just to see what they've been up to. All right. So, Frazier, I'm wondering, where do you think – so you think there are other, uh, how do we say, interested parties out here? That's the rumor. That's the rumor. Like actual – Camps and derricks? Yes. Like actual camps. We didn't see any flying in, did we? No, we did not. Um, then again, it's like a needle in a haystack. Yeah. Well, and this is technically awful... international. This is technically international territory, so <clears throat> there's nothing illegal. Exciting. The yeah, there's, there seems to be another party interested in getting to that lake as well as us. We're kind of in a race, so to speak. Uh, is your own specialty uh, part of the interest in this? Is it something beyond? Because the studies of other subglacial lakes don't make for you know international intrigue i mean except among scientists What's well this is true no, that is very true i'm sure they have their scientific interests the same as we do but i'm here to try and ensure that we get to it first and figure out what we have there well and to oh. sort of expand at least on what uh, dr tanner said yeah, there's politics involved. And these kind of things have a lot of politics wrapped around them. But the scientists themselves are usually pretty, they're scientists. They don't care about politics. Right. It's the prestige of being the first one to discover something. I mean, I guess there's no harm. It's, it's the Russians. Who else? Well, it could have been the Chinese. It could have been... The well, Norwegians, no. for that In matter. In this case, it's the Russians, and hmm. we just want to get there first and make our own scientific discovery before they get there and claim something or mess something else up like they have done in the past. Mm-hmm. Okay. Bill, what are you up to? Uh, after a bit of hanging out in the drill and rig, I'm going to head back and to the mess hall and see if I can find something to eat. All right. Uh, there's always something to eat, but there are regular times for meals, um, which there's a schedule on the wall. I don't have a schedule, but, you know, just what you'd think would be regular times for meals. Um, most of the camp runs on a three-part schedule. Uh, people work for eight hours, then the next eight hours uh, for the next team, and the final eight hours. 
You scientists are not required to do that because you're the scientists just work when you're awake. Um, the only person that doesn't quite follow that schedule is, um, is Rachel Davidson. Um, because she wants to have her hand uh, in the operation at all times. She basically sleeps for four hours and then works for four hours and then sleeps for four hours so that she's there for at least four hours on every single shift. It's hard on her, but she's a workaholic. She has a reputation of being a workaholic. Uh, yeah. Well, this sort of uh, environment is perfect for that because there's always something to be done. Although it seems to me after checking things out, it may just be time to catch some shut-eye until and uh, relax until we start getting some samples. Well, you know, uh, Dr. Tanner, when we get back to our, our bunk rooms, I have a little something to warm us up for the evening. Take mm. a little a little drink. Being from Scottish background, I have some of the best scotch you could get from Scotland. Outstanding. Nice. A weed tram sounds lovely. Oh, it does. Maybe we should gather the others and meet in the room. Yeah. Uh, there's no alcohol as part of uh, the, the policy, uh, they won't ship it out to you. However, there's quite a few people that have brought some with them. Um, that's not that unusual. However, smoking is not allowed at the camp. Sure. I did bring a bottle of my fire scotch with me. Just one. Lagavulin. <laughs> All right. I've got a whiskey collection downstairs. Oh. Um, all right. So we'll say that you guys relax. Um, uh, your, your mental schedules are all kind of screwy, uh, because, you know, it's been a long trip. Um, and now you're in a place that once you cross the Arctic circle, the sun's never gone down. Uh, it's technically the height of summer for Antarctica. Uh, and it's still black, but awful cold. Um, you do find that the sleeping areas are a nice refuge because there's no sunlight streaming in the windows. Um, uh, Dr. Tanner, you said you were going to take a nap? Yeah. How about the rest of you? I was going to gather everybody back to the room area, have a little drink before we... Rest okay, well, you're, yeah, out. you're doing that in the interim. That's not going to take more than, you know, half an hour or an hour. Uh, we'll say that it's, uh, it's, it's past noon at this point. Um, if you are going to have lunch, you know, maybe we'll just use like our normal everyday schedule um, so that it's easy to keep track. Of. Yeah. So around noon, lunch is served. Um, it's pretty good. Tank is, a, is an excellent cook, um, considering that he doesn't have much. And it's uh, dried eggs and stuff like that. Um, 
so let's say from from one o'clock on, what are you all up to? You've pretty much walked the entire camp. The latrines themselves are equipped with uh, showers. Uh, there's showers on one side and there are uh, uh, toilets on the other and there are unisex. Uh, some of the roughnecks are actually women, a couple of them. Um, about two o'clock, uh, Kathy Remo shows up. Uh, she comes in to get coffee and, uh, she's reading a book and she notices that you guys, that you new people have arrived, but she doesn't interact. Okay. And I'm then, gonna go ahead. I'm sorry. I just, she comes in and gets her coffee and then it's about to walk back out. I'm going to take my coffee and, and walk up to her and say, uh, Dr. Remo. Ah, oh, Lieutenant Commander Frazier. I yes, you remember me. That's very good. It's been a while. It has been. Um, what's, so what's been going on up here? Well, we don't really know. I mean, we know that uh, we've got some competition but uh, they're 15 miles away. Uh, they're on the north, north, uh, north of, on the lake. Uh, but um, we'll just wait and see. You don't have any of your little birds keeping an eye out up there? So far, nothing other than they're doing similar things to what we're doing. I think that mm. we're ahead. Oh, that's good. That's good. I just thought you may, you know, you have your resources. I have mine. Thought you may know a little more. I think we should pull them together since I'm here. Well, I don't think much is going to happen for a few days. It's just probably right. Waiting. We just want to make sure that, that the people who need the information get the Absolutely. And yet, you know me, I'm not much one for waiting. So I'll be finding something to have to do around here. Do a psych roll on her. Okay. Uh, 52 out of 55. Okay. You get the inkling that she's withholding information, but then again, you're not surprised either. Right. She's All right, Doctor. Discuss things that she doesn't want to discuss. Absolutely. All right, Doctor Remo. I'll let you go about your business. I'll catch up with you later. I'll be around. We'll see you later. Then I'll go back to the group. And uh, you see her go out the side door. You think she's heading towards the latrine at first, but then she turns and heads towards the labs. Okay. With her coffee, walking casually. Okay. All right. Uh, well, if I've got nothing else for the afternoon, I'm, I'm going to put some order to, I don't know if there's designated area or whatever in the lab, but I want to be like, familiar with the equipment and supplies and everything else. So I imagine that'll take some time. 
Yeah, yeah. Get familiar with your surroundings. Uh, you find, though, that after an hour, I mean, until something actually happens. Well, I brought <laughs> this, I, I brought along this great novel by H.P. Lovecraft called The Mountains of the Madness, hmm. uh, which I understand is traditionally read by most Antarctic ex expeditions uh, just for fun. So Hopefully one day they'll actually find that mountain range. <laughs> <laughs> so gentlemen, what do you think of this place so far? Anything interesting? Anything stick out to you? There's a lot of ice and snow. There is that. So much ice. Uh, Dr. Tanner and I had a talk, and I'll let you guys in on it. We're in a little race to get to that lake. Uh, the Russians are trying to get to it as well. So just some information I could share with you. So we just need to make sure this all runs as well as it can, and we all do what we have to do get there first, kind of like the old space race. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But let's not lose track of the fact that the actual point is what we're going to find down there. And Oh, believe me, uh, I have not. Unique life, life forms. Um, they just have some fascinating, other lakes have yielded some fascinating results. I can't wait to see if we can't find some truly unique specimens. I agree totally. All right. So whatever you're doing, the, the day wears on. Um, around 6 p.m., you have the same odd feeling that you've had every day for a couple of days now, and that's that why isn't the sun going down? Uh, and then you, you remember where you are. And it's, it's that disconcerting sort of feeling that by eight o'clock, it's like, it's still just as bright outside as it was at noon. Uh, but you are getting tired. Okay. You wanted to. Well, I take it we've eaten dinner. Mm -hmm. so it's eight o'clock. I'm just going to take a little stroll to clear my mind and probably head back to my bunk. Okay. Uh, there is an announcement, um, uh, perhaps a little bit earlier, uh, that uh, uh, earlier before you know eight o'clock, that they've reached a thousand feet. Okay. Cool. Cool. Thousand feet in how many days? In one day. They should be able to do 2,520 2, feet per day. They're going to work 24 hours. There's, right. there's always three red roughnecks and one derricant, so they, they take shifts. Which means that there's always, you know, derrick, there's always derricants and, uh, and roughnecks around eating, playing video games, or sleeping. And uh, there is music in the wreck area, although they keep, people keep it kind of low because it's the same tent that people are sleeping in the back. So, 
All right, during, wow. my, during my stroll, I'm going to go up by the drilling, talk to some of the roughnecks, just casual conversation. Okay. Um, not much to talk about. Uh, they, they're just, this is just a job for them. Okay. Nothing really interesting. By now, John Mercy is actually probably resting. Yeah, just, just chit chat. All right. So, just say it's maybe around eight thirty or so when you're out by the rig. Um, Dr. Tanner, Dr. Farnsworth, and uh, actually Farnsworth and Harvey, what are you guys doing? Heading to bed. Yeah, I'm gonna gonna browse the library and the rec room and find something and head back to the bunk. Okay. And uh, Lee? I figured I'd go, I was curious about the drill, so I'd go out there and watch for a little bit, then head back to my bunk and get out of a deck of cards and start doing magic tricks to okay. entertain myself. So you've, Lee, you're back in your bunk doing magic tricks. Uh, Bill, you're reading. And uh, John, you've, you've drifted off to sleep. And uh, Doc and uh, Lieutenant Commander uh, Frazier, you are out by the rig watching. It's not really much to see. Um, everybody do a, let's call it a, everybody do a spot hidden check. It's not really spot hidden, but it's, I'm going to use that, that role. Call it a notice check. Oh, I failed by big. <laughs> oh, wow. 87. I got 42 and my spot head in the 60. I rolled a 40 so. out of 60, so I passed. That's a regular pass. All right. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, Lieutenant Frazier? Did you oh, I, no, I did not pass. Okay. Lieutenant Frazier, you're standing there and um the harmonics of the drill uh the the drill makes quite a bit of noise and the 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 uh the boilers and the uh, pumps they make a lot of noise so it's it's pretty loud where you are uh so you don't really notice but um the other three uh, especially uh uh Lee and Bell you start to notice a sound. Um, it's kind of a high-pitched whining noise. And uh, Dr. Tanner, it wakes you up. Um, mm. The geologists, however, they have some experience with drilling. And you realize that there's something wrong with the drill. That it sounds like they've hit something that's not ice. I drop my cards and run. <laughs> I'm heading towards the drill. All right. Um, and Dr. Tanner? You uh, getting you up, know what yeah. It is. I'm getting up. What? Something's um, not right. But you can all now feel a slight vibration under the ground. Uh, uh, Lieutenant uh, Frazier, 
you suddenly realize that um, some of the uh, rednecks are acting uh, in a, a bit of a panic. And also at this point in time, Rachel Davidson is on her sleep cycle. So she's not there. Um, uh, uh, one of the roughnecks yells out, um, uh, uh, get away from the rig. Or he's, he's yelling this to everybody. Away from the rig, away. All right, I'll start getting away from the rig and I'll yell and say, what's wrong? Uh, we've hit something. And one of them starts scrambling for the, the manager's office uh, to hit the, the stop thing. But before he can get to it, there's a loud cracking sound, a bang sound. Um, boil, super boiling water comes gushing out of the, uh, the borehole. Um, one of the, uh, the Derrick hands uh, is a little too close and he gets doused in the front uh, with the, wall, the boiling water and he immediately screams, turns around, runs outside and sort of buries his arms in the snow. Um, and something, uh, a chunk of rock or something comes flying out of the borehole uh, do a, a, a dodge roll, uh, Lieutenant Commander. I passed with a 27. All right. Um, you barely see this rock. Uh, looks like it's a chunk, maybe three feet across. Um, it comes whizzing out of that hole. Uh, it barely misses you. It rips a hole in the, in the canvas and sails off, you know, a hundred feet or so into the distance. Um, one of the redne rednecks has grabbed you, it's almost tackled you to the ground, um, but now the, the, the rig is off. The pumps are off. There's water that's spreading out. Uh, it's causing a lot of steam. Uh, and the rest of you see this as you come running out of the, the tents. All right. Well, let's take a look. What's, uh, is there anything else going on inside the tent? Is there any other debris that came up with it? Well, the noise was extremely loud. So other people are coming out of the tent now too. Uh, Rachel has been awakened. She's on her way. Uh, uh, well, there's some debris. It looks like uh, the, one of the bores, the last one down, uh, is cracked. Uh, it's got a hairline crack. It can be replaced. There's plenty more. Uh, but it's going to take them about an hour. Plus, there's a big gaping hole in the, uh, the canvas tarp. So it's going to be freezing cold in there unless they can patch that up. Well, they tend to that. I'm, I'm going to go look at this rock that just about took me out. <laughs> All right. The rock is very unusual when you first look at it. It's, it's frosty. Um, it's obviously, it looks like maybe it was, oh, well, you're, you're Lieutenant. Um, it's just, it's a very odd shape. It's a sharp, uh, broken piece of rock. So maybe it got broken off by something, uh, by, the, by the drill itself when it, got, when it hit. 
Um, uh, Bill and Lee and Dr. Tanner are, are joining you. This, this piece of rock is about maybe three feet long and vaguely football shaped and it's maybe a foot and a half in the middle. So it's kind of sharp on both ends and it's obviously got fracture points uh, where it, it, it looks like it was broken off of something. As an astrophysicist, would I, I know I would be thinking if it was um, extraterrestrial, like a meteor that fell to earth or not, that would be where my thought goes just because of my background. We've got two geologists. What kind of rock do you think this is, guys? I turn down and I start looking at it, inspecting it. Oh, at the Dude. moment, it's it's kind of covered in uh, layers of frost. Um, frost, okay. And it's cold outside, so it might be better to to take it in and examine it. How big is All it? Right. About yeah. three feet long, foot and a half in the middle, kind of sharp. It's not okay. regular. It looks like a broken Awfully piece Awfully heavy. Kind of heavy, I it's, was thinking it, that. It would take uh, at least two of you to lift it. Probably weighs uh, 150 pounds or more. I'll help Bill lift it up. We can take it to the lab. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the best place to take it. Our, lab, our labs are set up there. All right. So you take it to the lab and you put it up on one of the tables. Uh, I'll assume that you put it in a kind of, you know, uh, examination tray. And you start to take a look at it. Um, it's got a dark uh, bluish sheen to it. Um, it's uh, it's uh, hot. It's hot because of the, uh, you know, when you break off a piece of rock like that, it goes flying. It usually, it's like a bullet. It gets uh, heated up. Um, but it, be, it very quickly begins to cool. Uh, it's, it's fractured in an odd way, it seems like it might be a, a crystalline. You won't be able to know for sure unless you actually uh, you know, do some analysis and some uh, look at it through a microscope and, and see if you can identify what the substances are. Uh, it's, got a, it's got a metallic sheen to it. It definitely, uh, it, almost like if you've ever seen, well, you the geologist with no bismuth. Bismuth has a sort of a rainbowy, oily, that sort of oil slick mm -hmm. look to it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it's pretty heavy. And not immediately identifiable as anything. No. It's not anything that the geologists have seen immediately. You don't you can't immediately identify it. This Do we have access strange. to something that detects radiation, like a Geiger counter or something? Yeah, you would have that. Because I would check that. So I'll, I'll get that and check it for any radiation. Okay. There doesn't seem to be any radiation at all. I feel better now. And uh, I'll look at the geologist and say, well, guys, what do you think? Never seen anything like this before. I'm going to chip off a piece yeah. and uh, to examine. And all it right. Um Do you take your... Uh, your geologist pick and uh, you find a sharp corner and you hit it and nothing happens and you hit it again and you hit it harder and nothing happens huh. and you give it a good whack nothing happens it's 
pretty hard. Well, well that's odd, don't you think, gentlemen? It's very, it's very odd. odd. What did it sound like when he hit it? Did it have any particular sound? Yeah, it kind of rang. Hmm. You know, not really strongly, but it, it sounded like you were hitting, you know, a big chunk of metal. Do we have any, like, saws, uh, like diamond-plated saws? Sure. So we might be able to cut a, cut a small chunk off of it. Yeah, you actually have a, a rig where you can slice uh, pieces of the rock off. Yeah, let's give, let's give that a try and yeah. see if we can't, can't get a section of it under the microscope. All right. So it takes you 15, 20 minutes to get it set, to get a piece of it set up. It's difficult because it's so big. Yeah. Um, but uh, you start the, the uh, uh, you start the saw and uh, you can see that the saw itself is grinding on the stone. Uh, but the sparks that are coming off of it are probably from your diamond wheel, not from the rock itself. Is it marking it at all? Not much, a little bit, barely. If you do a Mohs test on it for hardness, it's at least as hard as diamond. Hmm. Well, hmm. well, so we, all we need's a little, right, to do some analysis on. Do a like this. geologist do a spot hidden. Okay. Uh, 25 out of 60. I got a uh, 30, 33 out of 60. All right. Both of you notice this pretty quickly, but the rock has a very unusual quality. When you put your hand on the rock and you can see from the shape of how the crystal might have been formed, there's definitely a direction, the way the inclusions are. That if you put your hand on the rock and you try to move it in one direction, your hand moves like it's moving over ice. It's very smooth. When you try to bring it back the other direction, it's very, very rough. Like you can't, like you're, you're, like there's a one-way direction to the surface. I mean, you can move your hand that way, but it's much rougher in one direction than in the other direction. Well, this is super cool. I, I'd like to uh, run a couple swabs over different sections of the top and put them on slides to try to see what, what's on the surface. All right. Um, at first, when you do that, uh, you don't get much at all of anything. Uh, you realize that some of what you're getting is probably just surface dust. Um, but um, after a bit, uh, you begin to realize that the rock is it's changing. That where you tried to scratch it before, uh, when you try to scratch it now, it actually scratches pretty well. Perhaps the temperature of the rock was causing uh, the, uh, the hardness 
that it actually seems to be getting softer. Uh, as it cools. As it cools. Well, let's, hmm. let's move it back outside and let it cool right down. Yeah. yeah. Put it on ice. <laughs> All right. Well, that we have plenty of. Plenty. All right. Oh, you, you probably also have a uh, uh, kind of a refrigerator where you can keep uh, core samples uh, when you take them. You'll have all that mm -hmm. stuff in the lab. Um, anyways, you take it outside and you let it sit there for a bit. And uh, to the touch of your hand, it, it seems like it's cooled cool, cool, cool down, so to speak. Well, we'll try sawing off some more. All right, now, when you begin to cut into it, it cuts pretty easily. It's, uh, it's more like um, you know, maybe a five on the Mohs scale instead of a 10. Uh, you begin to cut through it rather simply, and you get, you get some chunks of it. Well, let's run some, some tests on the chunks. Do you mind letting me have a chunk uh, run through the mass spec while you guys I'm looking at, look do at things? It on, uh, chunk under the microscope if we got more than one chunk. All right. So you're working on the uh, mass spectrometer. Yes. Uh, you also do some basic chemistry tests on it. Uh, acid doesn't seem to have much of an effect on it at all. Um, uh, heating it up uh, uh, seems to return this sort of uh, super hardness to it. Uh, but you also notice that uh, in some cases fr fr uh, friction also causes it to become very hard. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't explain the one directionness except that there must be some sort of crystalline structure. Uh, that's all pointing in one direction. Uh, everybody do spot hiddens while you guys are working on this. No. 66 out of 60. I failed. Yeah, I failed too. I got, I got a hard success. <laughs> all right. 28 over 30. Now, for those of you who are less experienced in Call of Cthulhu, you can always spend luck to make the difference up so that you can pass something that you wouldn't normally pass. All right. But since somebody, uh, already, since somebody already saw, there's no point. Um, uh, Dr. Tanner, um, as you are working on this, you look up and you realize that the large chunk of rock on the table has changed shape, that it's almost as if it has slumped. Um, it's gotten wider at the base and narrower at the top. It's, it's almost like it's settling. Like it's just highly, uh, has a very high viscosity. Uh, yeah, like, uh, like, like clay glass. Or, or something, yeah, like glass yeah. moving really very slowly but fast enough that we've noticed a change in its You've shape. noticed it right 
Could I, I mean, since it's slumping like that, am I able to actually move it like, like clay and push it, or is it too hard for that? Do a strength roll. Uh, no. No, I failed that. Oh, uh, you push on it pretty hard, and mentally you think maybe you're making a dent, but you don't actually see any dent. Okay. It remains pretty hard. Anything does, on the... Go ahead, sir. It does give you the impression that it's, like like you say, like glass. It's a extremely slow liquid. Anything on the mass spectrometer? The mass spectrometer shows that that it is composed of at least four dozen different elements and that there are a few things that are unidentifiable. It's mostly uh, uh, silicon and um, some metal. I can't think of a metal offhand. But That's fine. An odd metal, beryllium or something like that. So gentlemen, this... Uh the spec mass is showing some things I've never seen. Uh, some lots of metals, silicone, and things that are not even identifiable by our means. And the, uh, but uh, I don't know. The, would that show up the uh, any kind of uh, appearance of the crystalline? a crystalline structure to it or just the elements that are in there? Uh, the mass spec usually just shows what the elements that comprise of it. Yeah. Right. But it's very odd, especially the unidentifiable ones. I've, I've never come across anything with so many different elements and especially these things that I can't even identify. I've never seen. Dr. Tanner. Um, uh, you're going to look at a piece of it underneath, a slice of it underneath the microscope. Are you using a regular microscope? Are you using the electron microscope? Uh, I'm going to use a regular one first and okay. then move down. Well, when you look at it, um, there's definitely a strong translucence. Um, that the only reason why it looks dark blue is because there's a big chunk of it. But... Uh, uh, this thin, you can see light through it. Um, and at first, as you're looking at it, because your, your microscope isn't that powerful, um, it's looking like there are patterns in the rock that are definitely in almost lines, which isn't that unusual, except that they're going in the direction that uh, that uh, when you try to rub it, right? Uh, the way that it seems to go. So if you so if you move along the the streaks, it's nice and smooth. But if you go the opposite direction, or the the opposite, or like ninety degrees, it's is literally the opposite direction. Yeah. If you go side to side, it's a medium roughness, but it's not. It's not slick, like in the other direction. Right. And you've described it as metallic rather than yeah. like and when you're a looking granite at it, balsa, you know. Right. 
when you're looking at it under the, the microscope, there is, it's a rainbowy sort of sheen uh, to everything if you polarize the light. And it looks, um, but it, but it looks rock-like. It doesn't look fossil-y. Correct. It doesn't, it doesn't look, look organic. Well, I mean, there's some elements to it that look sort of, you know, at that level, it's starting to look very odd. But yeah. the chemical analysis don't show any carbon. Yeah. Or a very minimal amount of carbon. Well, let's hook up the electron microscope and see if we can zoom in further. Well, that takes, you got to take a special sample for that. And that'll take you another 15 minutes. Now, it's probably going on, say, 10 p.m., uh, so you guys are a little, you're a little tired, but you're also extremely exhilarated by the discovery. But you have been up for probably at least 12 hours at this point. Yeah. Um, all right, you you hook up the, um, you hook up the, you you hook up the electron microscope, and uh, now my designations might be a little bit off, but at 200 percent um what you're starting to see are 200 times magnification uh it's got an almost butterfly scale <coughs> excuse me looking crystals going in one direction which explains why when your hand tries to go against them it does it feels rough it feels rough <coughs> uh, you then and, and this and and sorry, uh, Tom. Is this also throughout it? Like there are yes. layers of that. Yes, it seems to be the whole substance is composed of that same sort of scaly looking thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you zoom in uh, to a higher level. Uh, let's say uh, one thousand. And it looks like this. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, that is amazing. Made of scales. It almost looks but porous at that level, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks like a filigree. I mean, um, but it's is... at twenty thousand that you can't believe what you're looking at. Oh my huh. God. I look Is at that. Well, right? Frazier, I think you just won your race. Yes. What What do you guys make of that? I don't that recognize like writing. Yes. That looks like writing indeed. So this thing was manufactured. Uh, what if this was something was actually part of something bigger and yep. it just broke off? That would be, well, that would be my like. guess. Gentlemen, uh, I, I don't know if any of you know of any more about hieroglyphics and ancient writings, but the little that I know, I don't recognize that at all. No, that didn't look like any not a language I'm familiar with. Me neither. I mean, it's not my specialty, but I have been around and seen 
and studied a little on my own. I've never seen anything that looked like that. No. And, and that kind of intricate, I mean, that, that, that's almost molecular size, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, that, we're talking about nanotechnology here. Mm-hmm. So. A massive scale. Coming from an ancient time, probably not. Probably not. Uh, they wouldn't have the technology probably. to do that. Unless we just don't know about it. Or it came from somewhere else. Well, that's my, that's my suspect, of course, and my study. But, and we'd have to ask the glaciologist, uh, but if they were, they were a thousand feet down when this when they hit this thing, how old is that? Good question. Well, wouldn't one of you geologists have an idea? Yeah, I mean, Antarctica is extremely old. Um, I mean, it goes back to. Uh, times when it was part of Pangaea. I mean, it's, it's just an incredibly old period uh, well, in time. But, so, I mean, this was, this is pre people. <laughs> yeah. Well, the lake, the lake you would estimate at least 50, 60 million years. Exactly. At that, that depth. Oh, right. But we were only a thousand feet down so i mean even presuming it landed and didn't uh i mean that if it fell to earth for example it could have been and just landed uh it would take a while to cover up to a thousand feet in the desert that's antarctica yes and there was a time ancient ancient time where a map was discovered of this area when it wasn't covered with ice. It could have happened then. Uh, John, are you able to take a picture with that microscope of those markings? Yes. Yep, sure. Could you take one for me, please? You bet. And conveniently, it has the scale right next, (laughs) right on the Mm. photo. Very good. I'll see what else I can find out about this. But I think we're on the right track. Uh, Okay, so we've got a material that could be manufactured that is changing shape as it cools. Um, Speaking of which, you now notice quite obviously that the thing is slumping down into the tray. Um, And it seems to be slumping faster than it was slumping before. Okay, I think we need to heat this thing up or slow the slumping somehow. Just as a thought. Uh, I'm gonna put some gloves on 
and touch it to see if I can make any indentations in it or if it pushes back when I push. You can. It is now malleable like clay. Interesting. Is what it, did we is do it with colder the rest of the, than, Go ahead. What, what did we do with the rest of the rock? Did we just leave it there or did we bring it back in with us? We left one we on the ice. I assume it's on the table. Yeah, we brought the whole okay. thing back in. And, I can uh, share with you guys that I saw the satellite scans of this area and we didn't I didn't see anything like this that I could make out on the satellite scans. This is a surprise. Well, that's interesting. I mean, because it could be, this could be a big chunk of something or a small chunk of something much bigger. Yes, if you'll let me have a copy of that picture, or I don't know if you took it where you can send it to me or like a computer version of it. I'll I'm take sure that. It's high tech. And I'm going to go back and get some things. I have copies of the scans, satellite scans I'll bring to show you guys. I want right. to, could we fit it in an oven of some kind? Is there a, we might be able to bring heating, up some heat lamps or something. Yeah. I want to see if heating it up uh, slows down this, changing shape sure um you also realize at this point that breaking pieces off of it are no longer necessary you could literally dig into it and pull pieces off of it oh, i don't like this stuff at all now this is too weird i think uh well everybody well, do a everybody do a uh, an idea roll <clears throat> That's education, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, no. Uh, yes. Correct. Okay. I got a twenty-two out of sixty. So I guess that's extra. that's that's a hard. That's I got hard. a twenty-six out of seventy-five. I got a hard. Right. I got a regular um, pass. I think. I think simultaneously, if they're all standing there discussing it, it suddenly dawns on you that such a material that could be made to become rigid and uh, stronger than diamond and then be malleable, uh, clay-like, uh, it could revolutionize everything. And if it's some sort of a mechanism. No. This couldn't be the the shielding of a ship, could I? I mean, with the heat buildup of reentry, it would be rock hard, and then once it cooled off, it could slump off, safely landed, open it. Yep, or be malleable as it went through space. Maybe I don't. Know. Well, uh, you would know that there are colloidal colloidal substances that are soft and putty-like until you hit them, and then they become hard. Uh, and they use them in, in cutting material. It's literally like a squirt gun, but when it can, comes out of the squirt gun, it's hard like diamond, and then it, it becomes liquid once it passes through, pumps around to do it again. Mm. It becomes hard when it goes through the nozzle. This is something similar, but way harder, 
and obviously manufactured by someone. So I'm going to – go ahead. No, I was just going to uh, – I want to take one of the little samples and see if you, it reattaches. Um, like all right. Uh, it, in fact, does. When you put it up against the other – it immediately begins to reintegrate. Oh, wow. What if we put a piece a little ways away from it? Will it pull it to itself? Well, you can try that. What do you, what do you propose? I'm going to take a small piece and, I don't know, move it about three inches away just to see what happens. Okay. Uh, both pieces continue to slump, but they don't seem to move towards one another. Mm. Interesting. So not Terminator like if you're familiar with the movies. Right. Not not like Mercury. All right, I'm gonna run send this picture off. I'll be back with those scans. Be just All a couple right. minutes. I wanna I'm head back and do set that. Set up some heaters and see if uh that slows the slumping at all. All right. Um uh, Lee and Bill, do you want to do anything? Yeah, I'm wondering if the writing or the uh, skate-like structure is still visible when it's really, really soft. I mean, we looked at it when it was harder and we saw it. So would it be as defined soft? Um, if you take a piece of a small piece that's squishy, and you place it in the uh, electron microscope, um, it looks exactly the same. So even the writing is just as defined. Right. And as you're looking wow. at it, um, do a spot hidden for me. Okay. That's 32. At a sixty, so yeah. Okay. Um, hard, as you're or over hard, as you're looking at it under the uh, the electron microscope, you see the same structures before. It twitches. This thing oh. just moved. Oh no! No no no! Get those heaters on it. No no no! <laughs> Turn them up. <laughs> uh. Now, the way the electron microscope, you're bombarding it with electrons. So you had a rather large chunk in earlier, but this time it was a small chunk, and it seems to have reacted in some way. To uh, I'd electrons. like to take a small piece, whether a newly pulled one or one of the other samples we have, and put it on like an anvil and strike it. Okay. Now that you've thrown that idea at me. Okay. Does is that enough kinetic energy that it? What are you going changes to strike it with? Temperature, hammer, ball peen ball right. hammer. Uh, let's say you take a, a piece of it about the size of a fist. Um, yeah. It's a piece that you can actually mold in your hand. Yeah. You set it on the anvil. You yeah. take your your little hammer, and you whack it. And it absolutely does not deform in the slightest. It becomes hard as rock. 
does it change temperature? No. Mm. And I will have sent a message to my command on what we found with the picture and have come back with the scans if they want to look at them. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Lieutenant Commander Frazier uh, shows you the scans, and uh, this is what at least the initial scan uh, looks like. You can see where Camp Lake Carter is and where the, uh, the lake uh, is laid out. Um, I would like you, I, I would like the geologists to do a spot hidden roll. Okay. I don't see anything. I got a 91. Um, I got a regular pass, uh, 48 out of 60. Okay. Bill, you're looking at the map, and nothing in the map looks that remarkable. Um, you can see various surface features around the area. Um, you think you recall seeing, being outside and seeing a hill over there. You can see the hill on the map. Uh, you're looking at uh, the closer scan of the camp area and you suddenly realize that the pattern of features uh, is exactly the same where you are as it is a little ways away. And that the pattern of features where you are cuts off rather abruptly. Your conclusion is that the satellite image has been altered. Mm. Mm. So somebody edited the photo to crop something out? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, it looks yeah. like that this, the, 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 the geology in these maps are not accurate to what's actually out there. Seems like we're, we don't have correct photos. Uh, I'm not a bit surprised. Even me, some things are not shared with. Yeah. So, so what else like have you guys found out story? about this thing? Well, we're still it playing twists. with it. <laughs> it moved. It actually moved. Check it this moved. Out. By the way, a uh, long while ago, the drill is put back in operation. So it's back it. drilling. No more encounters with any kind of hard substances. Really? So mm. whatever well, that's it was. disappointing. Yeah. What do you mean it moved? Ooh. Uh, so when we bombarded it with electrons in the electron microscope, it twitched. Can we can we can we set it up on the table and like hit it with some lasers? Well, I was thinking a drill next. Yeah, trying to get like a core sample out of it. You've yeah. got all of that sort of equipment. You've got drills, lasers. You can um, use it acid pressure, electricity, whatever you want to to do any kind of test. 
some some metals are conductive of electricity. Some aren't. Well, I thought we tried acid already. You did. Yeah. It didn't, didn't have any effect. Right. See acid how base. it conducts the electricity. Yeah, I agree. This is metallic. All right. Um, explain your experiment. Are you going to do it on the chunk? Or are you going to do it on a smaller chunk? or On a chunk. Like a smaller chunk. All right. Uh, you take a smaller chunk and uh, you've got it in a tray uh, and you touch the leads to it. I don't know how you're going to do it. You touch, touch the leads to it. And the middle minute uh, you send a, a, an electrical current for it, it completely liquefies. Oh, that it was liquefies in the tray. It fills the bottom of the tray. That is interesting as hell. Wow. And if you if you withdraw the electricity, does it solidify or does it stay liquid? It stays liquid. I'm going to take some of the liquid. Would we have a piece of technology that I can put it in a vacuum like the vacuum of space. Sure. So I'll yeah, take some it. of the liquid and okay. stick it in the device and cause a vacuum like the vacuum in space. All right. Uh, it has no effect. Still it liquid. It doesn't boil. It doesn't do anything. It just, it seems completely inert. Uh, Dr. Tanner, do a luck roll. Uh, no way. Okay. <laughs> how, how about Lee and uh, Bill? You also do luck rolls. Luck rolls, all right. I've got a one. Ooh. Wow. Oh, wow. That beats my 28. Well, uh, wow. uh, Lee, you find uh, you're, you're incredibly fascinated by this whole thing. Um, you shock the liquid with the same the same leads again. Okay. And at first, you don't think anything changed, except then you realize that the liquid is now completely solidified. In fact, you can flip it out, and it's now a perfectly flat piece of the substance. Oh, look what I did. <laughs> Does it still have the property of being smooth in one direction and sharp on the other? Yeah. Hmm. Even in though fact, it you looks... Kind of, you can kind of tell that... We won't go into all the details of electricity, but positive to negative. It seems like whichever direction the electricity is flowing is the direction that it is smooth in. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Well, so this stuff is super cool. I want to zap it again and try to get, if it liquefies, I want to see what the liquid looks like under the electron micro. So see, it still has writing. All right. Um, all right. When you liquefy it again and you look at a drop of that under the microscope, uh, it is still composed of all of those little scale-like things. Um, they're just moving and flowing like water, like liquid. But they all Do still seem see to be this? Close, close together. They're translucent. You can see through them. Is it twitching like the last time? 
It was more putty-like? Uh, not in a regular microscope, no. Oh, I'm, I meant the electron microscope. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it, 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 keeps, it, it doesn't stay still now that it's in liquid form. What does that look like? Is it? Um... It looks like if you've ever seen a natural nest of bees, the globule looks like a thousand little scales that all seem to be moving in unison as if they were a liquid, but they're all, when you said nanites, it kind of makes you think that way. Yeah. What if this isn't a liquid, that it's a bunch of nanites? How much, how much electricity did, did Lee put through it? Was it like a lot of electricity or was not it like, really. a nine, like a nine volt battery or something? Yeah, not much more than a few volts, maybe, uh, maybe 30 volts. Because I'm, I'm thinking that if you hit it with maybe just a tiny little bit of electricity, then maybe you might be able to control the, the, the fluidity of the, of the substance. Instead of it going completely liquid, you could get like a semi, I don't know. I'm just talking out loud. You're going to try and use the electricity in different increments to see if you can get some control over yes. what happens to it. All right. Interesting experiment. Do a luck roll. And, and, and how much of the substance are you working on? Um, I would say probably about the size of a, probably about the size of a golf ball. Okay. Roughly. Um, I rolled extremely well. I rolled a four. Well, as long as there's no interruption in the electricity, uh, the first, first jolt of electricity liquefies it. Um, if you slowly bring down the electricity or raise it back up again, it remains liquid. If you take the wire out of it and let it sit there and then shock it again, it reverts to solid. So it seems to be a switch that goes from solid to liquid to solid to liquid. Okay. However, if you start ramping up the electricity, instead of slowing it down, you start to hear a rattling that noise as the little tray that you're working in sort of vibrates. And all of a sudden, this globule that you have reaches up tentacle-like uh, and begins sort of probing around like this, scares the fuck out of you. Do a sanity roll. Oh, no way. Oh, no. Yeah. Sanity time. Oh, I failed that. I failed that. 75. Oh, me too. <laughs> right. Yeah, 72. My sanity is 50. And mine's 40. If you passed, do I passed. A, if you passed, take, uh, take one hit point of, uh, or one, uh, one sanity point of damage. Uh, if you failed, roll an intelligence roll. Pencil. 18. I actually passed. Okay. I had a 60. When you're doing I, uh, sanity, good. when you're doing sanity, 
uh, no, actually, see, when you're doing sanity, you want to fail the intelligence roll. Yeah. Um, you pass That's the intelligence true. roll, do a 1d4, uh, roll a 1d4 for sanity damage. Otherwise, you just take the one point of damage. 1d4, okay. It's sanity damage or damage damage? It's sanity damage. Okay. That's what I thought. Here's my D4. There you are. Three. Okay. Let me see what else I can do to try. I'm, I'm going to say, gentlemen, um, let's let's be cautious with our experiments right now because that definitely was not a natural occurrence. Give me about. 15 minutes to talk to somebody and maybe I can find out what's missing out of that satellite scam. Right. Uh, also Lee, um, when this happens, you yank the electrical probes out from the substance. Um, it doesn't stop. It continues to writhe around like, like the tail on a, a, a lizard. It doesn't seem to be trying to do anything, but it's, it's flopping around. Try zapping it again. Yeah. I very carefully zap it again. All right. You zap it again, and it immediately solidifies in a perfect, the shape of whatever the tentacle was. Wow. That was weird. That was so weird. What is this stuff? So I want to propose, gentlemen, before we continue experimenting, could it be I mean, we, I, I said uh, nanotechnology before, but could we be uh, obviously dealing with something that is made up of many little things? It sure looks like it. Yeah, that was, um, that was my theory behind putting electricity through it at different levels to see if, if it could be controlled, and if it could, then potentially the the whole nanotechnology might actually be the what this might might actually be. But, uh, did we ever take the thing's temperature to see if it, if it's colder than room temperature or warmer than room temperature or something like that? To answer the question, it it seems to be just standard room temperature. That's okay. not colder or hotter. Um, and Dr. Tanner, your experiment with heat doesn't seem to have actually produced anything. It remains liquid with the heat. Uh, your, get, your conclusion would be that it's really shock. It was the shock of getting snapped off and thrown up the, the tube that made it so hard. Right. The, the getting, heat. getting struck like with the hammer was what did it. And that the warmth of the room may have, in fact, softened it. it just it doesn't seem to follow straight, or there's a straight line of reasoning, but it's it's not apparent yet. Right, um, Doctor uh, uh, Lieutenant Commander Frazier has left the room. Yes, it, and it's a uh, it's in a lift container. I mean, trayish thing. Right. Um, and it continues to slump. The uh, yeah, depending on which piece you're talking about. 
the biggest piece? The biggest piece has slumped into a kind of a mound, yeah. Uh, so guys, if I was to strike the big lump with the hammer, do you think it would harden up again? I would hazard a guess it would, actually. Would like the so. whole just thing or it. just part? Hmm. That would be a pretty interesting experiment. Like if you smacked it in the middle, would the edges be become hard too or just soft? Hmm. I don't know. Let's get a hammer and try it. All right. Well, while your guys are doing that, uh, uh, Lieutenant Commander Fraser, where are you going? I'm going to find Kathy. All right. Um, she doesn't seem to be in her room. Uh, you look around for her, and eventually you find her out uh, near the machine shop smoking a cigarette. All right. I'm going to go up to her. All right, uh, Kathy. We got to have a talk. Uh, so what have you found? Well, we have found a piece of material that is not, doesn't seem to be of this earthly origin. So what aren't you telling me? And we found that the satellite scans have been altered. God damn it. No time for any fooling around now. Let's, let's get down to some well, honest talk. The scientists are here to observe the lake to find out what they need to do. But, you know, the government has alternative reasons. You, we chose the site because there's something down there. And yeah. I know why I'm here. I want to know what it is. We want to know before, uh, before the Russians do. Right. I knew I was set, but I wasn't told about something like we found here. Apparently, something was known more than I was let in on because the scans were altered. Well, apparently the Russians found something in Lake Volstock. And they seemed awfully interested in this area as well. So that's why we got here first. So what part of the satellite image was altered and what did you see there? I mean, I know where it was altered, but what did you see there? Well, I didn't actually see anything. It's right. Not, it's your people. Not your people. I don't know. What they sent they me say? out here to make sure that any discoveries are, uh, are you know, classified as they need to be. Well, we do have a discovery. And the fellows I'm with are in there doing their tests. And I can tell you this is a very odd substance. Well, let the scientists do their job and... Uh, it's not like there's anybody who can walk in the camp and take whatever they're working on. That's um, not what concerns me, Kathy. I was sent to see if this was something we could weaponize. And if it's something we can weaponize, I don't want these guys like blowing us all up off the map. I need to know a little more information that I'm sure you have. No, I don't have any that's the reason why you're here is to make the discovery. We don't know what the fuck it is. We didn't even yeah. know there was anything there for sure. Well, then why was the image, the satellite image altered so that we couldn't see that? Well, that I don't know. Apparently they knew there was something down there. Is that something you can find out? 
I mean, all we're going to find out is that there's something down there. If they don't know what it is, how could they know? That's what you guys are here to find out. Well, I'm kind of curious how large this thing is. We just have a chunk of it. I'll see what I can find out. I'd appreciate it if you could let me know. But you know that they're just as closed mouth with I with me as they are with anyone. We everything's on a need to know basis. Ah, this I know, and I guess I didn't need to know that there was something else there besides the lake. Cigarette? Yeah, sure. I don't smoke, by the way. These are just pieces of roll. <laughs> <laughs> well, you um, let me let me know what you find out. I'm going to go back and make sure these good men don't kill themselves. Messing. I'll let you know what I can. You know, you know how it works. Uh, unfortunately, I do know. I did send some images off to command. There was actually some writing on this thing at a microscopic level that I've never seen. More along the lines of some kind of hieroglyph, but nothing I'm aware of. I'd like to see those scans, if you don't mind. Uh, show her the don't, picture. Don't send anything off until I, I look through it. I'll show her the picture, but I'm not going to give it to her. All right. She just wants to see it. She goes, hmm. That's unexpected. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> I don't recognize the the font. Yeah, I don't either. That's why I was going to send it off to our experts to see what they can make of this. As, Only those with top secret clearance, of course. Uh, Lieutenant Frazier, as you guys are sitting there, or standing there smoking, um, do a listen roll. Nope, didn't pass. Okay. But um, I could spend luck points, right? You can. I'm going to spend 10 luck points to pass. Okay. Um, there are two noises that are fairly constant here. You can hear the wind, and you can hear the, the pump and the, the drill rig going. Um, but you suddenly notice a more even, grindy sort of noise uh, getting louder in the distance. Uh, sounds like a couple of trucks or snow cats that are approaching um she hears it too and she's like there's not supposed to be anybody else out here where we are i was gonna say are you expecting company no uh you walk around the tents and you can see from the north direction uh there are a couple of snow cats that are pulling up into the camp all right um I am going to go out. I have my pistol on me, but in my go bag, I have my MP5, and I'm going to go out with my go bag in my hand that I've been carrying around the whole time and right. see who's out there. I'll say, you coming, Kathy? Oh, yeah. I got to find out what's going on here. Um, gentlemen, you're in the lab. Uh, you also can feel the vibrations from fairly heavy uh, snow cats uh, as they're pulling up outside in the camp. Um, and uh, Lieutenant Commander, you can see uh, they have uh, Russian flags uh, on them. And okay. I would like to take a five minute break because I need to- I would too, actually. <laughs> okay, yeah, I could use one.
All right, to continue. Uh, the, the cats come to a stop. There's two of them. Um, they've got uh, trailers that have equipment, obviously disassembled in the backs of them. Um, they park their uh, vehicles and they begin to get out there in heavy, heavy fur uh, jackets, winter stuff. Um, and your first impression is they completely ignore you, more or less. One of them who gets out of the, the driver's seat, he's barking orders to one of them in Russian. And uh, you see a fellow come out, and he almost begins surveying the area. You can see that, well, I mean, you can guess. They're looking up a looking for a place to set up. Okay. So as I approach, I mean, I got my gun on my thigh holster, and I speak Russian. So I'll speak okay. out in Russian. You need well, to you stop. Speak, yes, speak go ahead. Russian. Yes, I speak Russian. And you, what are you doing here? Dmitry Kokolov. Uh, I'm uh, in charge of uh, uh, Camp Mechinovsky. Um, we are doing exactly what you are doing. We are looking for the uh, lake at uh, 15,000 feet, he would say meters. Um, um, and um, we uh, want, uh, we're relocating to a better position. Well, you can't relocate here. This is international territory. We could relocate anywhere we want. Not where we have set up. This is under we'll the we'll American 100, government. 100 yards right over there. Not a big deal. Well, what's wrong with the camp where you were at? Uh, the, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kathy Remo becomes rather authoritarian. She says, no, you can't set up anywhere near here. Uh, we don't want to be able to see you. Uh, the current situation between our two governments is not exactly very good. We need you to go back where you came from. He's like, I'm sorry, that's not what's going to happen. You want to bring it up with uh, your people back home? Oh, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, there is some things we can do about it. You don't want to start some sort of international incident, do you? We're in the middle of nowhere. Things happen. People is disappear. That a, is that a threat? No, just an observation. Look, there is no point in fighting over this. We are scientists. We are interested in the science, unless you know of something else that you might be interested in besides science. You look military. I am. I'm here to protect this American base. We promise we will not do anything to harm anyone in your camp. Very fine, but you don't need to be this close. We would like you to be further away, as the lady said. We don't want to have to see you. You should not have to see us. And you'll still be further away from your camp. What was it, 15 miles north of here? Ah, so you know that we have a camp there. Yes. It is not as a productive a camp as we would find over here. Okay. But we don't want you within 
a mile of us. Oh, look. What's a mile? Or in your terms, a couple kilometers. It is not going to be a mile. From Lake stretches is, far to the north. This, has, this is the place where we want to be, and we don't really have any reason that we would have to listen to you. If you do anything, it's going to be considered an international incident. Well, this is correct, and we would not want an international incident, would we? Look, why don't we all just be friends? And, uh, and try to get along. Discovery is not truly owned by anyone, is it? It is not, but this is an American base at this point. Yes, you Americans think that you own everything in the world. Only where we're at. Do a... Well, you make a choice. Persuade or intimidate. Ooh, okay, let me see. <laughs> um, I'll do an intimidate. Oh yeah, I passed with the uh, 13. My intimidation is, I just saw it. All right, you passed. Is 40. Look, my friend. Let's discuss this privately. Are you in charge here? Are you the one in charge? Well, she's in charge of the rig, but yes, I'm in charge of everything else. Rachel's not here. Oh. Yes, I'm in charge. <laughs> um, come, let's talk. Sure. So, you guys walk off. The, the uh, um, Kathy Remo gives you a look like she wants to know what's going on, but uh, he wants to talk to you privately. Look, my friend, you probably know as much as I do why we need to be here. You have seen the satellite images. Have you not? I have. Well, while we have satellite images as well, we feel that we have a need. Look, what I can do, considering the situation, we will set up a 600 feet over there, um, that's what, two football fields. We shouldn't even interact with one another, but there's really no need. This is a matter of discovery. You were here first. You will, no doubt, take credit for the discovery, but we cannot simply stand by and give it to you. We have to look for ourselves. Yeah, I'm ordered by my government. I have no choice in this. I understand orders. They've given us the place where we have to be. They would like us to be directly on top where you are, 
but we'll settle for 600 feet considering. I believe 600 feet would be acceptable for me as long as your people stay on your side and we'll keep our people on here. Well, perhaps we can simply be friends. We can perhaps, you know, we aren't like you. We allow alcohol <laughs> in our country. They probably don't, but whatever. We uh, have yeah. vodka. You have vodka and I have scotch. Ah, scotch. I like yes, scotch. The finest they make in Scotland. Maybe we can have a drink after you get things set up. You spend maybe 10 more minutes talking to him. He seems like, I mean, he seems like he's not a bad guy. He's just doing what he's been told to do. Sure. And, and James would understand orders and what orders mean. So All right. He would, they would have an understanding. So they're going to set up about 600 feet away, two football fields away. Um, yeah. What's his name again? Uh, Dimitri. Dimitri Dim Kokolov. Dimitri. How about if we set a tent between us and you for you and I to meet and we can have discussions on share information. How about we just meet at each other's tent once in a while? I have no problem Show each with other that. some hospitality. You know what hospitality is. Yes, but between you and I. As you wish. Some of my scientists might have interests in speaking to some of your scientists. They all share very strong interests, and they're not politically affiliated. You know how scientists are. We'll check with my scientists and see if they're willing to do that. And if they are, that would be fine. But I have to talk to them. I can't speak for them. All right. Well, then we have come to an agreement, and uh, we should drink on it, but we'll have to drink later. Uh, hold on. I pull out a flask. Oh. Open it up. Here, try some of this. And he drinks it. And he's like, ah, it's as soft as baby's milk. <laughs> it is that. And I take a little drink and put it back in. And All right, then. All right. And he, he yells at his men, we're going to do it over there. Uh, the, survey, the survey guy is a little bit like, what the fuck was I here for then? And they move over and start setting up. All right, so I'll head back to the tent where the rest you also of the guys realize are. that you guys are, are exhausted. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the tent and walk in and say, All right, gentlemen, you haven't done anything crazy with this stuff yet, have you? Well, I was just about to try to hammer the main piece just to All see right. what happened. The result of your experiment is that it does completely solidify, but you have to hit it pretty damn hard, this, this big piece. In fact, you're a little afraid you're gonna smash the table. Right. The kinetic energy has to go somewhere. Yeah. I see the tentacles have stopped the, moving, the, so that's the good. the coolest stuff ever. All right, well, here, here's the deal. You heard the snow cats out there, right? Well, it, it, it reacted like a light switch, so we had to shut it down in order for, I mean, we had to reapply electricity for it to stop moving. There is that, a lot going on with this thing. And if we got visitors, we probably need to 
put it under lock and key when we're not here. Well, that was what I was going to tell you. It's the Russians. And from here on out, the military will take control of the operation. You guys still do what you do. I'm not going to stop you. You do it. You figure this stuff out, but we have to keep this all between us and no one else. This will become top secret. The Russians are going to want to talk with you. They're scientists would like to be sociable according to their leader, but everyone has their own means of getting information. And I have to strongly tell you guys, you have to be careful if you decide to meet with them. I will not, I don't forbid you to do it. I mean, I'm going to meet with their leader, but they're going to be probing for information and they do not need to know about what we have found here. Yeah. They won't know about this. I think they're searching for the same thing. They were going to take our site. And the scans were altered by the way. So Uh, others knew something was there and we just weren't informed. Uh, I think it should be a top priority of yours, uh, Frazier, to get that original photo because they're, they're, if, if it has brought in other interested parties, there must be something recognizable about it. Well, I'm working on getting that information. Um, so let's hope I can get it soon enough. I don't know how much it will help us except maybe show us what this thing dimensionally looked like from the satellite. Um, right. As I said, you are all getting exhausted. If you continue to work, which you can, um, you're going to take a penalty dice on your skill rolls. Otherwise, you have to get some sleep. Gentlemen, I suggest we get some rest, but we can't leave this thing alone. Well, as far as locking it up, guys are intense. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got to have cabinets and something. Yeah, you probably have. Well, you have you have a a freezer. Um, let's put it in the freezer. That can be locked, I would think. Yeah. As much to keep, you know, wandering Russians away as anything else. Well, they don't know that you have anything, so well, they wouldn't have any reason to, to try and infiltrate you. And that would cause an international incident for sure. But I like locking it in the freezer. That would be uh, right. a very good thing. Uh, the only thing, when we got it cold, it got softer, but when it it was hot. It was harder. What if it liquefies? Hmm. Well, that that's why I think cold. it needs to be in a lipped tray in case that happens. But it also seemed like just leaving it alone was what was softening it, not necessarily the temperature change. But okay. when I hit it with the hammer, it hardened up again. So, like as if the it was the drill hitting it caused it to shatter and when it came flying out landing what made it super hard at first so it it acts like a newtonian liquid basically well except that it doesn't 
I mean, all the time. And yeah. I don't like the tentacle bit. No. Yeah, no, no that, that was, uh, yeah, that was a bit strange. I think it'd be safe to put it in a freezer, lock it down. All right. That's easy enough for you to do. Um, and you're all going to hit the, hit the hay. You're going to go to yep. bed. Yeah. All right. I would like you to all do power rolls. Okay. All right. Thirty-one and where's my pal? Pal, pal, pal. Where's my? It's stand it's a stat up at the top. I got a three out of oh, okay. ninety. Fifty. I got thirty-one out of fifty. Then yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I got so a regular so pass. Okay. I got a hard uh, pass. Uh, Fourteen. Right. So you all passed. Um. Uh, when you when you hit the bed, um, uh, at first your mind races with the wild things that you found, the adrenaline's there, but very quickly you fall asleep. And the next time you wake up, uh, it's, we'll say, eight in the morning. All right. You All can right. smell cooking. First thing first, I want to go look at the sample uh the sample is right where you left it um though you put it in the freezer and the uh the one that you struck the large piece you struck uh it is still in its in its shape it's solidified is the tentacly one still the tentacle one is exactly in that same shape yeah the tentacle, it reminds you of uh, like, a, 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 like a macrophage, you know, the way a, 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 a white cell sort of reaches out, mm -hmm. like an amoeba. Yeah. I'm going to go get some breakfast. Yep. I just wanted to check and make sure that it wasn't crawling around after us yet. Right. I mean. All right. Um, so you have breakfast. It's good breakfast. Uh, you feel good. You feel warm uh, and uh, ready to begin your day. Uh, they have gotten to. Uh, they've they've managed by eight o'clock this morning uh, to clear uh, two thousand feet. Um, and they are continuing. The only interruption they've had so far was the, uh, the walk itself being thrown out. That threw, they, threw their schedule yeah. off for about an hour and a half. And nothing else. No encounter. Did I get any reply back when I sent the satellite scan and all that off? Or not the satellite scan, but the picture of the hieroglyphs and the... And let them know uh, what we found. You have not. You have uh, actually. Here's something interesting. When you go to check your internet, there's definitely some interference with the signal. Um, uh -huh. However, <laughs> uh, you don't seem to have gotten a reply 
uh, you do have the acknowledgement that, that your information was received. Okay. All right, then. In fact, if any of you try to use any electronic devices, well, specifically transmission things, um, there seems to be some slight interference. Static electricity, maybe from the wind that's constantly blowing outside. All right, gentlemen, back to work on... Uh... Betsy, we'll call it Betsy. Yep. Tom, could I ask a favor and take a look at that uh, highly magnified picture yes. again? Let's see. It's very strange. Well, the ribbing as well as the layering is fascinating. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Super cool picture. Um, Well, I uh, I don't know what you guys are thinking, but it seems to me that uh, anything else we do with electricity, but in a very small piece away from everything else. Yes, but I am interested to see what these tentacles want or what they they seem to be probing almost in appearance to me. Is this thing intelligent? The piece that actually activated, um, it just, yeah, like I say, it flopped around like a, like a lizard's tail that's fallen off. It didn't seem to have any purpose, just mindless flopping around. <clears throat> I'm just wondering if there is, uh, obviously this thing will react to various um, external uh, stimulus. Uh, the question is, are, is there some kind of programming involved in it that it's going to start doing specifically um, if it gets the right input is there a way we could put the electric shock into it to get it to move and somehow connect it to a computer interface you wouldn't even know how to begin something like that something maybe the scientists could figure out in the next 10 years Right. You know of no technology that, that's this sophisticated. I mean, um, 
Um, there's suddenly a little bit of commotion outside, and uh, you notice a big Russian fellow in a fur coat uh, coming up to the uh, laboratory tent uh, to the door. I'll go, meet him. I'll go meet him at the, before he gets in the door. We'll move the samples yeah, let's back hide into it. the freezer. Right. I'll say, my friend in Russian. Ah, uh, Lieutenant, uh, Lieutenant Fraser, was it? Yes, it was. I thought that I'd come over and invite you for a little bit of a celebration. We have managed to get our uh, rig assembled, and we should begin drilling within the next hour or two. Uh, at the moment, I have a break, and I thought we could share that uh, a drink. This is your laboratory, yes? Yes. Yes, it is. Mind if I take a look? Well, the guys are in there doing their thing. I don't think they'd like to be disturbed at the moment, but oh. they're not opposed to talking to your scientists. Oh, that's, that's good. What, what are they doing? I didn't think how far have you gotten so far? Oh, I don't know. You know, I, I'm an astrophysicist. I don't specialize in any type of water stuff. Well, if I were to guess from the time that you may have gotten here a few days ago, uh, you're probably a few thousand feet already. I got some core samples. They're doing their thing. Anything interesting? Nothing out of the ordinary at the moment. What we expected so far. Hopefully well, when we get down to the lake, we'll find more. I, my scientists would very much like to meet your scientists. Um, the names of uh, some of your scientists. Uh, uh, Dr. Tanner, is it? Uh, Yes. They're, not, they're not unknown in the world of, uh, of the science. Uh, you have a couple of geologists, a chemist. Uh, the woman who is with you, she's your chemist. Uh, yes, very well. You know a lot too, don't you? Well, my guess is that you probably know just as much. Probably. He looks around to either side and he says, you CIA agents, you know, you know way more than what you ever tell we have the same sort of thing. Uh, well, I'm not CIA, but of course they not. do. Of course not. No, no, you never would say that you are a CIA agent. No, no, I'm a military agent. Lieutenant commander with the Navy. Just happened to be a scientist as well. So they shipped me here to look over this thing. I'd rather be on the beach somewhere in the sun. Well, my main interest is not military. Uh, I am uh, in charge of the rig drilling, I'm in charge of the site, but I am somewhat of a scientist myself, uh, physics. But, ah, physics. Um, there is no reason I can see why we shouldn't all be friends. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, but uh, yes, perhaps uh, in a few hours, I take it you all rested well. Yes, um, absolutely. Uh, would you like to come to our tents, or would you like us to come to your tents? Oh, whichever you would prefer. I'll leave that up to you. We'll come to your uh, mess hall. Yes, uh, I'll next, make sure uh, arrangements are made. In, in about an hour. Yeah, bring some of that vodka you say oh, you yeah. have. Of course. I'd like to I'd try like it. To force everyone to drink that whiskey that you have. 
Oh, not good enough for, or not harsh enough for you. Not quite of the strength that we are used to. I'm looking forward to that. We'll see you in an hour. We are good. I shake his hand. All right. So he goes. I go back in and say, all right, boys. Geez, you said that just now, and I kept thinking, COVID-19, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's right. I'll go in and say, all right, boys, let's lock this stuff up good. Um, We're going to have a little get-together with the Russians, a little celebration before they start their drilling. So nothing about what we found. As far as they know, you guys are working on core samples, waiting to get to the lake. Does that sound good? Uh, sure. I wonder if we have anything to talk about yet. I mean, well, just talk about whatever core sample would be in a normal glacial ice is good enough. And they're going to bring a little of their vodka and let's just be friendly. Oxygenation, oxygenation bubbles. They're really interested in what we're doing here. He really wanted to come in. So I think they believe we have found something. So we need to make sure that we tell them we have not. And we stick to this story. I hope some of them have some English. Well, that's where I was going to go with it. Um, when the Russians arrive, uh, for the sake of brevity, uh, they're friendly. Most of them do not speak English. But... They're, uh, they're friendly, they like to laugh, uh, they like to drink. Uh, it's, it's a celebration. You don't necessarily have to be able to communicate. Uh, but uh, Lieutenant Commander Frazier speaks Russian. And uh, some of them speak, you know, moderately well. You can understand. It takes a bit of going over. Um, they don't reveal anything to you. You don't reveal anything to them. Uh, but you kind of get to know their personalities a little bit and vice versa. Um, perhaps a couple of the scientists, you also recognize their names from you know, journals and, and so forth. But for the most part, it's not an unpleasant experiment, uh, experience. And, uh, and Tom, just in general, is do they have biologists amongst them or oh, yeah. are they all physicists? No, nope. they have biologists. Geologists. They have uh, glaciologists, uh, uh, a biochemist, um, a climatologist, um, and so forth. Okay. With names like Yuri Mikhailovich and Nicholas Fyodorov and Alex Andreev and Anna <laughs> Papandrafov. So... Perfect. Um, and this Dmitry Kokolov, uh, he's definitely their leader, and he sort of leads them. You know, maybe there's drinking songs. I don't know what, but it's not an unpleasant experience. And then after a couple of hours, I was going to say I start singing the Russian um, country song for them. Lead them okay. in this song. Okay. And they try to sing uh, the Star Spangled Banner. That's good. <laughs> I, I can't sleep to sing that. So, <clears throat> um, but after a couple of hours of drinking, and they drink a little more heavily than you do, 
um, they uh, they seem pleased and all be friends uh, or governments that have problems um, and then they go back to their camp which now you can see is uh, uh, is pretty well put together they've got their tents up they've got their uh, their rig has begun uh, to work before Dmitri leaves, I'll go up to him, speaking into him in Russian, and say, Thank you, my friend. This was quite enjoyable. Well, I always think in these cases that we should always be friends. Friends, friends are better than enemies, and our countries have been enemies for too long. Uh, they, should, they should be friends. I agree. I agree. And that vodka, very good stuff. It can go to your head. Oh, yes. It's a good thing I'm Scottish because I can drink. As I waver a little bit. <laughs> and he, he gives you a smile and a handshake and uh, goes off. And you right. hear him say to one of his... How many of our samples are missing? Oh, not, nothing's missing. They didn't go into the lab. Maybe you showed them in the lab. but they, they It's a nice lab. Uh, they offered you, you come over, you can see their lab too. Um, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. We hear something. Oh, you hear, uh, you hear Dimitri say to uh, one of the other uh, scientists, um, uh, I am so exhausted after the trip out here and everything. And he's saying this as he's walking away. Um, I, I'm so exhausted from this trip. Uh, I am going to go home. I go home. I'm going to go back to my bunk and go straight to bed, right after I contact Homeport for uh, and give my report. And that's fades up into the distance. Okay. All right. Um. It's, uh, we'll say that it's going on, it's past noon at this point. All right, what are you guys going to do next? And how many, how many of our little samples that we had are missing? No, none. Okay. Mm. You had them locked up. You begin to, to, surmise that if this is some sort of a mechanism you just have a piece of it and without the rest of it 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 seems an undirected sort of thing it would be like having a piece of a car that you know you might apply electricity to it and it does something but it's not actually doing anything it's the function as a whole yeah which would be, uh, which was, is why it would be awfully nice to have that actual satellite picture so that we knew how big a thing we're talking about. Because obviously the Russians have seen whatever this picture is and knows how big it is, or at least a shape. Well, give me, give me just a bit. I'll see if I can find out. And I'll go to find Kathy. All right, one 
Um, uh, you find Kathy, but she doesn't know anything more. Uh, she doesn't trust the Russians. And uh, she says, we need to keep a close eye on them. They're up to something. Agreed. And that I have been doing, but it would be nice to see that satellite image. Apparently they have it. That's why they're here. Yeah, that's not surprising either. She says, uh, you know, I, I don't know anything. I'm not surprised that the Russians have managed to get the satellite image. Um, I'll see what I can do, but I'm having a lot of difficulty with the internet. It keeps dropping. Yeah, I've had the same problem with my satellite connection. Well, we're up here in the middle of, in the middle of, we're at the bottom of the whole world. Is this a usual thing for you, internet problems? Problems not with this, interference? Not, not, not quite this bad. Some sort of an electrical interference. Interesting. I'll see it what I can find when the out. Russians got here. All right. Well, try to get on that right away, please. We really need to know. All right. Well, I'll go brief my guys. I'm guessing it's at least a couple you know, 600 feet or however far away the Russian camp is. Possible for them to jam us to some extent, somehow. Uh, you said they had a, another base set up, what, 50 miles away? Correct. I've taken them with you guys. I'll say uh, they could jam us, but they would jam everything, and we would know uh, this kind of interference isn't jamming interference that I'm aware of. And it's not jamming your ability to do your job. It's just your ability to. It's I not just even jamming. Am. It's just making it difficult to get information on the internet and contact. Um, I just had a weird thought. What if whatever we're working on is actually causing that? That's what I was going to suggest. Let's try an experiment here close to this substance and see if we get more interference the closer we are to it. Okay. Um, and or radio. Your conclusions are inconclusive. Um, huh. You think maybe, but there, there's just no way to measure the difference between it's not like it gets dramatically worse or better. Um, it could be exactly the same. It could be your imagination that makes it seem that way, but you don't find any conclusive, conclusive evidence that the objects are causing any, any interference. Um, you do some more experiments on them. Uh, you try, uh, uh, here's something interesting. You have a number of uh, what account uh, what what, what uh, uh, equal uh, fish tanks. Um, if you were to find something alive uh, down in the lake that you could uh, transplant, bring it back, study it. Um, so you have fish tanks. You decide to do an experiment where you animate uh, a small piece of this stuff, maybe about the size of a finger, and. Uh, you then keep it in the fish tank. And as long as you don't re-stimulate it, it continues to sort of wiggle around. It, it moves around the tank, not like it's necessarily looking for something or drawn to the light or anything. 
it's just sort of randomly moving. So That's if we crazy. tap on the glass, it does nothing, doesn't react. All right. It seems to be just randomly sort of moving around. Or you haven't hmm. figured out what it is yet. Hmm. And it doesn't change its wiggling if we touch it while it's wiggling. No. Use a probe to... Uh, what happens if we hit it while it's wiggling? Does it harden? It hardens. It, it, hardens it, stops, it moving. stops moving. Yeah. Does it soften eventually, though, and start moving again? No. Oh well. Actually, oh. I'm going to take I'm going to take that back. Um, if you hit it while it's moving, um, you basically you it would be like as if you were hitting an animal with a hammer. It flattens, mm -hmm. but the the thickness of it, where you hit it, it doesn't deform, and the and the the tentacle continues to move, but you can't break the tentacle, and you can't you can't stop it or slow it down. Okay. Uh, but if you if you do the electricity to it, it immediately stops. stops. Hmm. And it's only at a higher voltage that it will animate. Right. Rather it seems than... almost as if it has to be in a voltage that, that ramps up or it uh, it's increases. It's, it's a changing uh, current that causes it to animate. Ah. Perhaps changes in current is how it's, um, it's animated it, in the first place. And if we just use a higher current, it goes liquid. No, it doesn't. It, uh, it animates oh. more. But if you suddenly shock it with electricity, it it either it either freezes in place or it it liquefies. Uh, speaking to the other guys, I'll say, what if we even hit it with more electricity? Will that make it do something different than just flop around like a worm? Like plug uh, wire into the socket and stick it with a bare end, strip the insulation off and stick it with a bare end. Um, yeah, you have a means like with a uh, rheostat or something like that. Um, what ends up happening is it wiggles faster and more. Hmm. Um, and it does move in a direction. Um, so if if the tentacle is like this, here's the tip it's it's always moving in this direction because of the the scales on it, it's it's slick in this direction and it doesn't want to go back this way. So it's, it seems to be made to move forward. Hmm. Does that make sense? It's rough in the other direction, so it's not likely to go backwards. It can't, can't seem to go backwards. All right, gentlemen, I'm not a geologist or anything or work with algae, but what if we filled something with some of this ice maybe, or I don't know if we can find any sand or anything around here that might be kept on, on this area we're at and put it on top of that and see if it moves along the top or if it dives down in. Um, when he said it's moving, is it in a straight line or can it turn, turn, make turns? It's, it's I, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's just a piece that's wiggling. 
but okay. because there is a direction to its surface, it tends to move in that direction. All Obviously, right. if it flops a certain way, it might roll over and and move randomly. It just okay. So it's not in any certain direction. It's not trying to it's, do anything okay. in particular. Um, if you if you try to put the moving object in, let's say, like you said, on ice, it's just flopping around on it as if it were um, in the tray. Okay. Um, however, do an idea roll. You can all do the idea roll. And oh, idea, okay. that's based on education? Yeah. So that would be a six. Intelligence. 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 24 out of 60. Uh, then I, so. I would not have passed the intelligence. Okay. No. 24 out of 65, actually. Okay. Oh, fail. Well, the uh, scientists who pass, it suddenly occurs to you that given the properties and the, the ice, the ice sort of experiment sort of did it to you, this thing could liquefy, flow into all of the cracks and crevices of something, re-solidify, and then tear the thing apart from the inside out uh, once it became mobile. That it would be, you could use it for mining. You could use it for a dozen applications. That would be amazing. Really? It, oh, we're looking at a fortune if we could figure it. You know, with enough time and enough of the stuff. But I'm not sure about getting enough of the stuff and getting it faster than the Russians. Well, if what you're saying is is what it does. I'm sure we would like to get as much of it as we can. And we may be able to get some help to do that. All of a sudden, as you guys are there, you hear a, a noise, not unlike you heard before, a sort of a high-pitched whining noise. Except this time, you can feel the feet, the, the ground under your feet beginning to vibrate. The drill. Yep. I'm running, I'm booking it to the drill. All right. Now, from where you are, you can go out the laboratory door and the drill's straight right ahead of you, about 100 feet, 150 feet. But as you are still in the lab and as you are getting to the, the front end of the lab, um, there's this tremendous... Um, crashing noise and you can see out the windows in the lab you can see the rig rocks to the side a little bit and uh you suddenly everybody do dexterity rolls uh because everything begins rocking and shaking failed that uh, i passed hard that pass. i hard, hard pass too right I if, uh, I got 77 out of, wait, is that a seven? Yeah, 77 out of 70, I failed. Okay. If you failed, you fall down. You fall down, uh, you do one point, one hit point of damage. Um, uh, you feel the lab itself sort of rock forward where you're standing. And 
out the window, you see the rig suddenly collapse into pieces. You can hear the men yelling. Um, there's panic everywhere. There's a tremendous sound like a, a cave-in, like a, an avalanche. And uh, it, if you were to try, you, you see the ground sort of dropping away from where you are. And within a few minutes, the only way out of this room is to go back the other way and come out the side. Uh, when you do, uh, you realize that everything in a large circle around where the, uh, uh, the rig is has subsided. The ground is now sloped inward towards the hole. Oh. And uh, looks like this. It drops down to the hole oh. about uh, five, six meters, uh, 15, 15 feet down. The end of the laboratory is hanging over the edge of the, uh, the subsidence. Uh, there are people yelling, uh, people scrambling, trying to get away from the rig. Um, some of them are trying to pull pieces of the rig off their fallen comrades. And some of the people uh, are are yelling down the hole. All right, I'm gonna, being that this, I'm thinking always military. I'm gonna go ahead and throw my MP5 over my shoulder just in case I feel like the Russians are involved. And I'm gonna go to see what I can help anybody that's in harm. All right. Also um, keeping an eye on where the Russians are at. How about the rest of you? I pick myself off the floor and go outside and see what's what. All right, it's a disaster. Um, one of the, the roughnecks uh, comes uh, running past, well, not really running past, but he's pulling himself up out of the, the dip. And uh, he's saying, it was, was all of a sudden, uh, the, the entire board just suddenly yanked itself loose and fell in. And a couple seconds later, everything around us started to crack. We must have broken into a void of some sort. Was right. there any indication uh, to you that something was happening before all this just fell in? Well, we thought maybe we'd hit some hard ice, but all of a sudden it was like, there's people down there. People have, have, have fallen in the hole. They might be, okay. you know, stuck just a few hundred feet down. All right. Yeah, well, we're going to need more rope. Yeah, definitely. I want to head back for the, to the laboratory and first secure, re-put the samples back in the ice in the freezer and lock it and then go looking for rope. Right, there's plenty of rope. Um, the hole, the borehole itself, I should, I should have probably said it earlier, but the borehole itself is nearly three feet across. Mm. And now it's even, well, it's cracked and it's, it's, it's not really wider, but uh, you can look down it and you can see that it's been melted off into the, the darkness. And you can hear some people down there right. but realize uh, that, that pieces uh, of the, the rig <laughs> have fallen in the hole and uh, all right. So you got rope. 
So with with some of the rope, uh, first secure a couple of lines like in the laboratory or uh, uh, the next building there um, down into the pression so that people have an assist getting up out of the greater hole and then take a line down next to the borehole to see if we can get anybody else out or be injured back up. All right. Well, the people who are, are on the side, a few of them have been severely burned by the, uh, the superheated water. Uh, the tanks ruptured, uh, boiling water went everywhere. There's a couple of people who's, who I have probably second and third degree burns. Um, uh, there are a few people uh, that you can barely see that are caught up in the rigging that's fallen into the, the hole. And uh, they're, they're trying to climb out, but they can't do it. A couple of them might have broken legs or whatever. Yeah. So we're going to need to use the secured lines to try to get us and get them out. We may need some okay. backboards. All right. So you all go into uh, salvage operation, more or less, but you're trying to save the people. Um, managed to get a few people out. Uh, do any of you climb down into the hole to assist? Uh, like into the borehole itself? Right. There are people down in the borehole. You can see. Uh, I would send somebody to tell them to set up the perimeter to kind of ward off anybody trying to come in like the Russians. Well, within a few, maybe probably only five or six minutes, some of the Russians start coming over because, of course, the ground shook. Right. And, uh, right. I'll climb down. All right. I'm not that big a guy could probably fit. All right. Uh, you climb down. Uh, uh, you can climb down the rig in part uh, almost 200 feet um, before you can see that it, you know, it's, it's not jammed there. It's, it drops off. Um, but do a spot hidden for me. Okay. And I did not succeed. 93. Okay. My right. spot hidden is not that um, There comes a point where the bore is missing. And when you're looking down, you don't see any of the bores. So they dropped off into something. Oh, no. I, I shout back up and tell them what I see. They probably can't hear me over the wind, so I'll scramble back up All right. and tell them. After an hour and a half, you guys have managed to save a couple. You know that a few people have fallen all the way in the hole. Uh, you don't know if they're alive or dead. Um, does anybody else go down into the hole? Uh, okay, so, sorry. As I understand it, we're talking about a hole that is straight down about 2,000 feet. Right. And everything fell through out the bottom of that. Right. 
I don't think we're going to have enough rope to make it down too far. You actually do. Oh. You have a couple of miles of rope. Oh. You also have a couple of harnesses. Huh. A couple of what? Harnesses. Harnesses. Um, Yeah, I would would go down. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, for all of us. But but that's going to be bigger effort um, that we need to, like, take – so, take some supplies and it's going to be mm. going down. We're not going to go down just with a harness and a crowbar and, you know. And also, how big around is this? You said it was something like three feet? The hole itself, and, yeah. And how much rim would be on at the bottom, though? That's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, so only one person is going to go down. Fit, no. It's it's going to be yeah, three feet straight down. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll the go harness, down. Harness can be rigged so that you could have multiple people. Ah. Let me just make a call, and I'll pull out my sat <laughs> phone and try and call my base. All you get is static. Damn. All right. Let's let me get word to Kathy. I'll send one of the rig hands to tell her to take care take care of the security of the area that we're going down. All right, she does. And uh, I offered offered to lead the way. All right, set it up takes, a winch or whatever. It takes a few. Um, it takes a, you know a, a half an hour or so to rig this whole thing up. They have a winch, uh, which they've secured. Uh, they've got a cable, a rope, um, and they've got harnesses so that they can hook you all onto it. And they're going to lower you down. They figure it's going to take at least an hour for you to get that far down. Yeah. Okay. But you should eat. They've got plenty of rope. Um, I'm going I'm to grab my helmet with the night vision knobs on it so I have something to cover my head. Right, yeah, you'll need some sort of uh, a light. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably have uh, things on here, and you probably have, have here as well. All right, so you start down, and uh, it's very tedious as you begin to go down. You're a little uh, unnerved, but the walls of the, the tunnel are pretty smooth, you know, because they've been melted with uh, the hot water. Um, when you get, uh, when you get to around 660 feet, do a spot hidden for me. Eight. And, uh, well, that is an extreme success. All right. Um, You notice as you're going down, uh, the ice has sort of a uniform color to it. But as you're going, you can see there is something dark in the ice. And at 660 feet, you come, there is something in the ice of which your 
chunk broke off of. This is right where the bore hit it. But, and you can't tell how big it is because you don't really have light that well, but um, you can tell it's a much bigger object and that you just winged a little bit of it. And who got the real, did somebody, somebody got an extreme? Me. All right. Uh, Les, as you are looking at it, you notice two things. One is the edge of, the, of this object where the thing broke off is dripping down into the hole. Oh. And that you think that you can see little sparkles of electricity in the substance itself moving around. Hey guys, still not any of this stuff drip on you. There's something dripping from here and I see sparkles, like something sparkling like electricity on, on this thing. Uh, just be careful. All right. Is it a solid substance? Like the, the stuff that we had, it's not hollowed out or anything? Correct, it's a solid substance, except that where it's exposed to the hole, it's starting to melt like, like the other thing did. Um, all right. When you reach, uh, you had actually gotten to, um, uh, you, you get to where you, um, don't have exact measurement, but when you get uh, down to a certain point, uh, you realize that below you, you can see the circle of the hole as if there's something down there that's lighted. Maybe a light from the rig has somehow miraculously continued to function, but you definitely can see it. When you get to the hole, what you realize is that you are coming out into a chamber that is perhaps a thousand feet wide and almost, you know, maybe twice as long going off into the distance. It's football shaped. And you are towards one end of the football is where you've broken in. You can see below you pieces of the, the rig, uh, pieces of the bore. Uh, you can see chunks of ice and so forth that have fallen from the, the ceiling is a little bit fractured. Uh, and uh, you think you can see a couple of bodies, but the whole room is glowing kind of a, medium dark blue. Uh, it couldn't be light from up above penetrating this deep. There also seems to be a kind of a mist that's hanging in the air uh, that make it hard to see any details about what's on the ground going off. This is also very regular shaped. It's not like you're in a cave. It's like you're in a gigantic alien ship. I was going to ask what the walls were like, if they were ice or if they were 
that substance we found. They actually don't look like either. They look like they're some sort of compacted stone, but they hmm. they don't look like they've been made. Not like with bricks, but more like they've been liquefied and melted into place. It's like the whole place is made out of reconstituted liquid rock. Uh, doesn't look like mm. the stuff up above. It doesn't look <laughs> like uh, um, you've broken into some sort of a chamber. And, and there's and definitely stuff over there in the chamber, but you can't see it clearly through the mist. And so, uh, how deep is it to the bottom below us? From where you are, you go down maybe another 300 feet before you oh, hit wow. the ground. Um, and it's it's sloped like this, so you're mm. you're at one point, so it it slopes down into the mist, and the mist is thicker when you get to the ground. Do we see the bodies of the people who fell? You through? see a couple of people that are mangled that have fallen. Can we tell that they're dead? Or? Well, there are a couple of them that are partly buried. You can't tell for sure that they're dead unless you oh. unhook un yourselves and go over and examine them. Yep. That's what well, I'll do. do that. Yep. Yeah. Check on the check if there's any survivors. Them, yeah. All right. Um, you begin searching through the rubble. Um, uh, none of them are alive. It was probably a good guess that if they fell this far, unless they got really lucky, some miraculous way, the fall probably killed them, or they were mangled by the the, the metal as they fell mm. together down the hole. Everybody do a listen roll. Listen roll. Ooh. Ooh, I got I an extreme. You were saying evidently. Let's see. I got 57 and my listen is only 30. So, no. Not for me either. So anybody pass? I failed. Yes. Hard, hard success. All right. Uh, Dr. Tanner and uh, Bill Harvey, Harvey, as you're standing there, you suddenly hear a noise off in the distance from farther into the, the thing. It sounds like, well, if you, are you familiar with, uh, it's like a kid's toy. It's, it's a, a, a tube. Kid does this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Goes, ooh, 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 ooh. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hear something like that off in the distance. All right. Well, flashlights out. Well, even with your flashlights out, you can see. There's a, a yeah, but light. mist. All right, I'm gonna look around. I'm gonna take my pistol out and say, "Which one of you knows how to use a gun?" I've got a gun. You have a gun. Do I need a gun? I don't know, but I I'd have one in my hand. Guns. I don't know what's going on. What's going on, man? Don't know. I didn't know any of you were carrying weapons. You seemed to hear no. something. Did he hear something? What? I would imagine they told us they heard something. Yeah. All right. Now that he, now I, they tell you, you, oh, you all hear it. I take yeah. my gun out, too. Anybody else have any weapons? I don't, but I'm familiar with them. Sounds uh, like somebody's playing a flute, although it they're not doing a tune. Well, here's maybe, maybe a couple of people playing flutes. 
Here is my handgun, and I'll uh, give it to John. It's it's a Desert Eagle, so it has a bit of a kick to it. So just All point guys at downrange. No worries. Whatever it is seems to be getting closer, but you only hear it from one direction. Bill, you have anything? Bill? Oh, um, sorry. I forgot my own name there for a second. I'm taking <laughs> in all the wonder uh, of this room. Uh, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a, a pistol here with me. Okay. Let's just be cautious, gentlemen. <laughs> Let's just be cautious. Let's move quietly and slowly no. and see what's making that sound. Now that he's pointed out the sound, can I hear it now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. In fact, you can sort of tell that it's coming towards you from that direction, you know, towards the, the I center think of we the... founder of crew of the ship. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is something we uh, definitely have never seen before, but let's just be cautious going to this sound. All of a sudden, yeah. uh, this voice rings out. Cautious is In the first word. And it says, Welcome, welcome, my friends. Welcome. And I turn to these guys and say, Did you hear that, Russian? It's saying, Welcome, welcome, my friends. Welcome. Uh, What's the voice like? Um, do a listen roll. Four. Four out of... Um, I didn't pass. <laughs> I'm still not paying attention. All right. With four... Four out of 30. Your, your immediate impression is, Jesus, it sounds like that Russian fellow. That was extreme. Huh. Yeah, that was extreme. Oh, wow. You're like, it sounds like that Russian guy. I'll, I pointed uh, out to them. Oh, answer yeah, that. That sounds like that Russian guy that, from last night. I'll answer back in Russian. Who am I speaking to, my friend? Oh, he says, oh, hello, hello. Uh, you can call me Dimitri. Yes, yes, that is what you can call me. Now you see in the mist, there's a shadow moving towards you. But it looks too tall. Uh, I, I, am, I am so glad you are here, but, but we don't have much time. Why don't we have much time, Dimitri? Stepping out of the mist is not what you expect. What comes out of the mist is this thing. Looks like it belongs at the bottom of the ocean. It's barrel-shaped. It has snake-like tentacles on the ground that it's moving with. It has rudimentary sort of wings in the back. Uh, it has branch-like, almost tree branch-like appendages. It has a head maybe nine or ten feet up that look like, it looks like a starfish. Um, it has rippling little uh, cilia all over it that change color in the light. And it has five very large eyeballs arranged around this thing 
and it's coming out of the shadows at you. You can all do sanity rolls. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, definitely sanity. Definitely sanity. For those of you who don't know, it's an elder thing. Um, who was reading the Lovecraft stuff? I that passed. was Tanner. Yeah, I, I passed to forty-four out of forty-seven. I got a twelve oh. out of eighty-nine. I, I think, I think Tanner, did you pass? Yes. All right, yeah. you're going to take at least three points, but then I want you to do another sanity roll because it suddenly rolls over to you that this is what's described in the H.P. Lovecraft story. That means that H.P. Lovecraft was telling the truth. He knew it. Means... So just John does another sanity roll? Right, because he's, right. he's read the mountains of Man. I had to bring it up. <laughs> so I have rolled uh, a die six and gotten... Nope. F- Sorry. Okay, go ahead and got five, and then I rolled another sanity roll and passed that one as well. Okay. We'll say you, you got six, did you say? Or f- five? five? Five. All right. I'd like you to roll an eight-sided dice. And I got four. All right. Um, what happens is... Um, you begin backing away. You throw your, your hands over your face. You, you fall down backwards into the snow. Maybe you're against something. And everything since the Russian party seems to have faded from your memory. You remember drinking a lot. You've been drinking a lot. and You shouldn't be drinking. It's not good for you. And you sort of open your eyes and look around, and you don't have a clue where the hell you are. You've lost, you're, you've got amnesia. Temporary. Yep. yep. Um, that doesn't mean you forget how to do anything. It just remains you don't know where the fuck you are. You've blacked right. out. Yep. Were we all um, supposed to roll D6 if we passed? No, he failed. Okay, he failed. Um, I gotcha. If you passed, oh, you how just How much take if three we passed? Okay. You passed, you three, three points. Three points. All right. Um, so I'd like to look at this creature and say, in Russian, so why do you call yourself Dmitri? You sound like someone I know. Dmitri, yes, I've been listening on the, the, to your communications. It's very interesting to hear. Now, have any of the others said anything? Hello, friend. <laughs> uh, when you do that, he, you notice now that he's wearing some sort of an apparatus around his neck and there's a thing in front and when you he he stops in his tracks when you say that and he adjusts the knobs and for a moment chinese indian swahili comes out of his mouth and then english and he's like oh welcome welcome but he still has the russian accent (laughs) and he's like he says you have punched a hole in my prison, I have been here for, oh, 400 centuries, maybe. Uh, why were you in prison? Oh, it is my duty. I am the caretaker. And he says, come, we have a task at hand. You see, you've activated the bomb. 
Is that that um, thing up above us that we ran into? No. Um, he says, I, I don't know what you're speaking of, but this, this is the great bomb. And he takes you forward into the mist and you see this gigantic sort of apparatus hanging from the center of the gigantic room. And he says, he says, you see, we have activated it when you broke, when you breached the, uh, the room. But uh, we, uh, so you've all sort of moved in with him. You've yes. probably grabbed Tanner. Yeah, we grabbed Tanner. He says, uh, but we still have a little time. He says, uh, he says, oh, will you take me back up the hole? I have not seen the sun in 400,000 years. Uh, how are we going to stop this bomb? Oh, that's not so hard. Since you see the bomb was created as a kind of a doomsday weapon nice. to stop uh, the intruders from uh, destroying us. Uh, the, uh, and he says a word, uh, but it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense to you. He says, you see, we came a million years to your world and we had a great civilization, but then others came and they tried to invade and we fought them off and they were getting close to extinguishing us or destroying our city. This bomb was created as a last ditch effort so that we could destroy them all. Of course, it would destroy the entire continent, but they wouldn't have it. You know the old thing. If they, if we can't have it, then they can't they have can't. it. Unfortunately, he, yes, we're aware. He keeps using little phrases that are definitely Dimitri, like he's been listening to him talk on the satellite phone, whatever. Mm -hmm. He says, so, here, here is the machine, and here are the controls here. All right. So can you deactivate that bomb? Well, I cannot do it all by myself, but I can show you how to do it. Uh, you see, these are the controls here. I would like you all to do a spot hidden. All right. I've, been, I've been bad at spot hidden. <laughs> Let's see what we get. Oh, I've got a 13 out of 16. That's Fail. one over on that screen. I think I got this one. I just got a regular pass. I got, uh, let me find it. Here it is. So I got 18 out of 30. All right. Those of you who passed, um, uh, a second ago, you heard almost the sound that sounded like uh, running water. And for a moment, it sort of echoed around the room. But Dimitri is telling you, you know, what we have to do to work this machine is, and then as you're looking at Dimitri, there's a shadow behind him. And suddenly, a huge blue-black tentacle reaches out of the shadows, wraps itself around Dimitri. Another one comes and rips his head off. 
Holy. Oh, yeah. And you realize that what it is, is it's that thing. That we were messing with. Right. Oh, gosh. Except that it's the big one, the one that is yeah. up in the... Uh, sanity rolls? I'd say that's definitely yeah, a sanity, sanity roll. <laughs> I mean, Dimitri was 10 feet tall after all, and something to rip his head off. Oh, that's a big fail on my part. I passed. Oh, yeah, 77. I'm at 44. Oh, yeah. 28. Fail. All right. Uh, if I you failed, 1d6. Oh, uh, if you pass, 1d4. 1d4. Oh, no. I rolled a six. I rolled a four. Okay, who rolled the six? I did. Right. I did. Um, if you rolled five or higher, uh, roll a 1d8. Okay. One. All right, you faint. You just oh. <laughs> drop wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, that's good enough. I'm checking out. And I got a five on my roll of die eight. All right, you got a five uh, roll of four. A four roll of dice. die four? Yeah. Four. <laughs> what you are sure of is what's coming out of the um, shadows. Uh, is a gigantic octopus. Uh, you can see its eyes rolling and it's looking at you and you're hallucinating. Um, okay. But your I'm... hallucination is based on what you actually are seeing, which is this gigantic thing. Hap happily, I have a gun in my hand. <laughs> so I'm going to start well, shooting at the eye. Okay, who said that? I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, John. Dr. John. Okay, well, he's hallucinating. You don't see any eyes. No, but I'm going to start shooting at something. Well, you can <laughs> shoot at the thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, perhaps a number of you fire off your guns, and you can see that the bullets are just bling, 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 doing absolutely nothing to it. You know that it's as hard as a rock, and when you hit it with something it just the, i'm gonna the, look the thing isn't particularly fast but it is moving into the room and its tentacles are moving um it's I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look at bill and lee since john's out of it and say that thing we experimented on it was electricity that did something to it do we have anything we can put together to give it an electrical charge i fainted Oh, you're out? Yeah. Bill, I'm, yeah. is there anything we have that we can give it an electrical charge? I mean, I have my night vision goggles. I have my sat oh. phone. I have a flashlight. I mean, we can certainly try all those things, but, I mean, I don't know how we're going to get it, get the electricity to the entity without getting ourselves killed in the process. Well, I wasn't thinking about touching it. I was thinking about fixing it in a way we could throw it at it or now, get close also, enough to toss it. There's also all of these all the machinery. alien-looking yes. panels that are lit up. I guess we could pull wires out of it, but then we wouldn't be able to defuse the bomb that's going to go off. We don't know how to 
deactivate the bomb. No. And we don't it know how long. Show you. You know, it had something to do with pushing the these buttons. buttons and sequences. Um, did he give us a time frame? Uh, he didn't. I didn't think so. So we don't even know when that bomb is going to go off. But we need to deal with this creature because you saw what it did to Dimitri. Yeah. Any ideas? Uh, is anybody going to grab uh, Lee as this thing is sliding into the, the chamber? Yeah, oh, yeah. Lee. I can, I can we'll move that. Lee, and I'll take my gun away from John. <laughs> I'm running. Yeah, I'm I'm taking off. I'm, I'm terrified of this thing. All right. Uh, you can see in the rest of the room that there are some sort of mechanisms. They're very alien. You don't have any idea what they do. Um, you, you take it back. This doesn't seem to be a ship. It seems to be some sort of chamber that holds a giant bomb. All right. So the, this alien machinery has nothing to do with the panels, correct? Well, maybe it does. Maybe it does, but I mean, yeah. it's not connected to the panels. It seems to be connected in an organic sort of manner, like... Uh, this this technology looks very organic. You could almost and, imagine that it was grown. And is the tentacle thing behind it? It has not come to that no, point yet. It's, you are between it and the machine. It remember it, it started where you did it. So it was off in the corner right. of the, the giant football. Do I recognize any symbols on the buttons that look like the symbols? that we saw in the electron microscope, the picture no. I have. In fact, all of the symbols on here seem to be composed of series of dots, like five dots arranged and different, which without an idea, we'll just say that you think about this, that this sort of uh, branch-like structure that was on Dimitri uh, could have been like hands that he would have used and put in the little holes on the, it's uh, like you know, how they would type. I don't know how they would type, but you know what I mean. Um, right. uh, it's definitely some sort of an alien language. Reminds you of cuneiform, except that it would be just made out of dots. Um, the monster is starting to rampage. Oh boy. And uh, in another two rounds, it will be where you are um, and start smashing into the machine, I guess. Looking at the, the buttons and the machinery, what would I roll and see if I find any sequence that I think might be something to push? Like, what, is there anything that would stand out to me? Like, give me an idea. Um, where is it? In order to use. Oh, I'm looking for one thing. Um, do you have operate heavy machinery? I don't think so, but I'll look. 
I do. No, I do not. Who does? I do. Not. I do. Bill does. Right. Um, you have to make three operate heavy machinery successful rolls in a row. Oh, geez. Well, Come on, Bill. I'll give it a try. Figure the... The whole world's on your shoulders, Bill. Don't forget, you can <laughs> use points. Okay. Yeah, but I don't have a lot of luck. Um, so I just rolled... I just rolled a 49, and my operate heavy machine is 21. So you can use luck. I'll use the luck. Or you can be... push the roll if you want. Oh, there you go, yeah. Unfortunately, if you push pushing. the roll and you fail... Yeah, yeah. it's bad. Something You're going to accelerate the bomb. going to do that. Um, I think on this roll, I'm going to go ahead and use the luck and okay. uh, wait. So how many luck points would that be? Uh, oh, 49. For math. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ask Alexa. Alexa. She does all my math. All right, you spend the luck points. Um, yeah, okay. So you, you manage to hit a couple of buttons and they turn green. We'll just say what that's going to mean. Good. Great. So Great. Uh, try the second roll. All right. What are the rest of you doing while he's fiddling with the machine? I'm watching that monster, just trying to keep an eye on him while he tries to do his stuff on the buttons. Am I still unconscious? We've moved you back. How many, uh, let's see. Uh, I assume I'm running away. Uh, do a, roll a one d five, or one d six. Okay. Um, one. Oh, okay. Well, you wake up rather quickly. Okay. As what the hell was that? Uh, we got a problem here. Yeah. And John, you're starting to remember what the hell's going on. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I, I guess I wasted all my good rolls earlier in the game because I just failed that second roll. Okay. And I don't have enough luck to to do that. Right. So I'm going to try pushing push this roll. So you don't have to. Well, <laughs> what do I do, guys? Do I go? Do I try it again or or stop? Uh, do not Lee, push. Lee, do you have? Can you know anything about machinery? I know nothing. All yeah, right. and I can't help either. Well, to, to, to not screw anything else up, I'm just going to leave it alone and just stop right there. Okay. That's what I'm going to do. The creature lurches forward. Um, it's going to swipe at all of you. Uh, why don't you all do dodge rolls? <laughs> oh, kryptonite. <laughs> Let me see. There's my dodge. Oh, Woo. I got a five. Oh, it hit me. I got 88, and <clears throat> my dodge is only 45. Okay. I failed um, that roll. A dark blue tentacle whips past and hits you on the side and flings you across, across the room. Uh, do 1d8 damage. Oh, my. Um, anybody else fail? I did. Bill did. Right. Uh, I also, uh, Tentacle reaches out, 
grabs you and flings you. You can do 1d8 damage. Because oh in the past, you, you jump out of the way as the, the tentacle comes. But now the whole mass of the thing is coming, is, is coming at you. It's the size of a bus. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've got a broken rib or something. I'm down to four. Okay. You're lying there on the ground in, in agony. I'm hurt. Yeah, I'm, re I'm, re I'm really hurt. Yeah, I'm not going to be any use, you guys. I'm hurt. Do something. Oh, yeah. Um, the creature, as it's flailing about, one of its tentacles goes up and hits the side of this gigantic mechanism. Um, sparks fly. Uh, there's kind of a blue-green energy that shoots out. And for just a moment, the thing freezes in place. Just like okay. you just did. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, it freezes in place. Uh, how how is the stay frozen while we're looking at it? Are you just going to stand there and look at it? You have an opportunity or yep. hit um, a button. You can see that there are little ripples going all through it, like like electricity, uh, like it's reactivating itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Guess, all right. So we guess that somewhere in the center is. Uh, a control thing because this thing is moving with intelligence. Uh, start shooting, dude. I'm gonna crawl as far away from it as I can. Okay. Well, I'm pretty far because it whipped me. So. Well, shooting, I, shooting, I shooting, didn't have work. A gun. shooting didn't seem to do anything to it. No. Shooting doesn't do anything to it. No. So, we need the is think, there. Is there a way that I can shoot a mechanism to fall on it, like wires to fall out? Or whatever it's, it is, if you it's organic. You try, sure. Why don't you do a, a yeah, do a, a shooting roll. Let's say you see some big sort of cable thing. Okay. It's near it. Yeah, I passed 46 out of 50. All right. Uh, you hit a, what looks like a large cable uh, going into the giant mechanism and it breaks loose and you see it fly down and it hits the creature and when it does the creature suddenly liquefies and it's like dumping a, a swimming pool uh, into the room it spreads out it splashes against your legs um, but you can see ripples of electricity running through, you don't feel anything, but you can see that towards the center of it, there is some sort of a, a sphere, maybe two feet across, that's perhaps the controlling mechanism. You'd have to wade through it to get over yeah, to it. try to get to it. And it could reactivate at any moment, and you're actually in it. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. If I, <laughs> can I, can I try to shoot that sphere first? Sure. Go ahead. Oh, right. wait, you had your shoot shot turn. What is everybody? Oh, I did my shot turn, yeah. Okay, so let somebody I'm, else do something. I'm going to grab my survival shuttle, shovel and make for the sphere. Okay. Even okay. though I'm in it now. Okay. Uh, do a luck roll. You do a luck roll. What are the other two doing, Bill and uh, Lee? Can, can I take a shot at it? Sure. Okay. 
fail the luck roll. No, I failed that. I was going to shoot at it, but if he's walking toward it, I'm not going to chance hitting him. All right. Yeah, you're injured too. So Yeah, I'm injured too very badly. Uh, Dr. Tanner, did you make your luck roll? I did not. Okay. Um, you're moving towards the sphere, and you find suddenly that your legs, it's getting harder and harder to move forward. Mm-mm. And <sighs> suddenly it's, it's like there's something crushing uh, your legs from all direction, and the whole thing begins to solidify. Um, Bill, you, you also missed, right? Yeah, I missed. You feel something similar. You feel wherever it's touching you, it's sort of grabbing a hold of you. Um, you're both lifted into the air as the thing sort of regains control. Um, but now you're partly in the matrix of it. Um, I think that there's probably no way for you to survive it because you're just going to be smashed up against the wall or against the large mechanism machine. Um, and I'm just going to say that both of you are suddenly crushed yeah. by, by this thing. Uh, Lee, you're trying to crawl away from it. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, Lieutenant Commander, what are you doing? Uh, well, at this point, I see my friends probably not going to survive. Lee is hurt. If this thing gets out, it's just going to raise havoc. I'm going to just go ahead and try to set off the bomb. <laughs> Get rid of it all. All right. So you're going to hit some buttons? I'm going to start hitting buttons. All right. Oh, wow. I would like you – do you have anything in mechanical engineering? Or, uh, uh, not you, in heavy machinery, no. I um, don't. Well, luck then. All right. Luck you need to is. pass three luck rolls. My luck's pretty good. You can't spend luck to pass luck. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> Let's see. That would be a pass, an 18. Cool. You're, the lights are turning green. And that would be a, a pass with 59. Whew, that's close. Okay. More lights turn on. The thing starts Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. You're lucky. And a 41, I pass. Ah. Um, the whole thing uh, starts humming. Uh, there is a pulse of green light, and you can see ripples of light coming down it uh, that are turning off as the whole thing is becoming inactive. Uh, Bill, what are you doing? I thought I got crushed up in the... Oh, you did. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Lee, what are you doing at this point? Crawling uh, for the rope? <laughs> yeah, crawling for the rope. Trying to... Help me up! Right. Pulling the rope. Start uh, uh, do one more luck roll for me, uh, Lieutenant me? Commander. Yeah. Uh, I'm worried. <laughs> Jimmy. 16. All right. 
uh, the creature lurches forward and uh, just as it's about to sort of pounce on you, parts of it hit the machine, break into the machine, and there's a, a static electricity that suddenly freezes the thing in place. You can see Lee going for the harnesses to get the hell out. All right. I got, I'm going to follow Lee. All right. Um, you can see the harnesses are starting to go up just as you get to them, so you manage to get in the last one and you're being hauled up. Um, you can see the creature begin to stir again, and this time it attacks the machine. And you see the machine begin to fall into pieces as you clear the tunnel and you're brought slowly up the, the thing. You wish that it was faster. You really wish that it was faster. Um, but you manage to get out and is there anything, well, I don't know what you could do at this point except evacuate. Mm -hmm. um, well, my choice was going to be to evacuate, and if I can, call in for a tactical nuke strike on the on that area. <laughs> I'm never coming back here again. None. Me and military, that's what I would do. None of the electronic uh, devices like before, nothing works like that. Um, uh, but you manage, I imagine that you manage to evacuate. Uh, but do uh, I'll have you do one last spot hidden. Oh, I'm terrible you can, at spot you can both hidden. Do it. Okay. I don't see anything at all. I got a 99. Oh, wait. I think I passed this one. Hold on. I got a 7, so I know I passed. Okay. Just the first one I passed all day. Nine? Just as your snow cats are, are clearing the top of the hill and getting away, you see that blue-black thing coming out of and that's where we'll end the story. Oh, no! All right. Wow. Yeah, that was... So, <laughs> wow. explanation, at least a little bit of explanation. In the war between the Elder Things and the Mego, uh, the Elder Things did exactly what Dimitri said. They built a doomsday device. Had the bomb gone off, it would have pretty much vaporized most of Antarctica. All of the water would have, uh, would have been released into the ocean. Um, there would be tidal waves everywhere on the planet, global flooding. It would have been a, a worldwide disaster. Uh, oh, yeah. It would have activated a super volcano uh, on uh, Antarctica. Oof. created one actually um the Migo were trying to conquer the elder things and whereas the elder things were very biological creatures they they invented things biological the Migo were more mechanical so the the elder things had created the shoggoths and so the Migo created the mechanical version of the shoggoth which is what that thing was. Um, we never actually said it during the thing, but the Russians had found one of those as well and were trying to weaponize it. Um, they referred to it as Organism uh, 46B, which we never got to that little piece of information, but the, right. that's what it was. Um, the CIA 
uh, here's something that didn't come out in the game, but it was almost there. What Dmitri, uh, Upper Dmitri, a uh, Russian Dmitri, uh, had seen in the satellite and his people had seen, they saw the football chamber. And they knew that it was down there. They didn't see the Shagos thing. They had no idea that was there. But that's what they were after. And that's why some of the phrases that I said to you were, uh, he kept talking about what's deep down there, what's, you know, considering the right. size of it. Um, but you thought he was talking about the Shagos thing. Yeah. Um, and they figured that they could be 600 feet away and still drill down into it. Right. They didn't know that it would crack like an egg when, and they certainly didn't know there was a bomb or a, a poor, a poor, sweet, innocent, insane <laughs> elder thing who'd been trapped there for a million years. I like that, Dimitri, though. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he was, I was for a monster. <laughs> wow, that was great. That, that, was, was, that was interesting. You guys cool. know I failed every spot hidden check I rolled except that last one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Let, let me go ahead and end it, and then the, we, can, the, we can chat a little bit afterwards. Okay. Our, our players included uh, Mike Kyle, Robert uh, Starr, John Hicks, and Julian Arbaugh, uh, with yours truly as a keeper of the series. We're currently producing up to four shows a week with music and sound effects added in post-production in order to create a richer listener experience. We provide audio-only versions of our shows free for you to download from Podbean or iTunes. The costs involved with the show are provided almost entirely by our patrons. Without them, we wouldn't be able to do what we do. If you'd like to support our show, please visit our Patreon account. Just a dollar to a month helps us a lot. You can find a link in the description below. Like, share, and subscribe to our channel, and punch the bell icon for updates on our latest shows, and leave us some comments. We enjoy reading them and answering any questions you might have. This is Tom Rayleigh, together with all the members of our gaming club, inviting you to journey with us once again into the darkness for another adventure into the universe of HP Lovecraft and the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Until next time, good luck and good gaming. <laughs>